0: chat gang's here soren's already gifting people subs oh no this is uh resub thank you for so much eight months uh time to jump into it i am the magical mr mephisto welcome to rantcast everyone the ages sigmar podcast about rpgs uh today so very special episode (laughs) we're gonna kind of talk about Um, RPGs, which is something I can't not talk about during Rantcast. It's how I personally started. Uh, all of, all of my gaming pretty much jumps off from tabletop RPGs. Uh, I got into Age of Sigmar because I went over to my friend's house to play, uh, TMNT, the pen and paper TMNT game, and he had Warhammer models sitting there on his shelf. That is how I got into Warhammer. Um, and tonight I've got three fantastic guests all bringing their own perspective and expertise, uh, to RPGs. In the top, sort of right above me on the camera, we've got Charlotte. Charlotte, say hello to everyone and introduce yourself.
1: Hello, I am Charlotte. How much of an introduction should I do?
0: The whole thing. Uh, where you're from, your 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 love of RPGs, maybe even you give your uh, top two or three favorite RPGs, the ones you kind of predominantly play. <clears throat>
1: uh, well, then, uh, this is going to take a while. We uh, time. <laughs> yeah, start myself out. We got till midnight. Uh, <laughs> That's 11 o'clock my time. I'm old, and that's past my bedtime.
0: We'll try to get out before then. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, so, uh, yeah. Thank you. I am Charlotte. Uh, you can find me on the internet at foxfire22. That is F-O-X-F-Y-R-E-2-2. Uh, I have done a lot of things in the tabletop role-playing game community over the last about year and a half. Um, it all started off with... Um, shit, what was my first one? It was either a podcast recording of Coriolis with Mun Blood, or it was um, an actual play of Simbaroom on an Encounter Roleplay with one of the hosts of Mun Blood. Um I do a lot of things with those guys. Uh, they are a review gaming podcast for dark and gritty role-playing games. Um, they've done a lot of neat interviews, a lot of neat uh, APs and one-shots and all, a bunch of other neat things with uh, world creation and uh, rules and shit I don't really listen to too often. Um, <laughs> but if you're into that kind of stuff, go check them out, Mud and Blood Podcast. They are on, I think, all the podcast things around Spotify and uh, Podbean are two of them that I follow. Uh, aside from that, did a lot with Encounter Roleplay last year for uh, doing um, AP games. Um, Simbruma mentioned. I ran Conan for the first time on it last year. We did Scum and Villainy, which was fun, and a whole bunch of uh, one-shot demo games for some Kickstarter games like uh, Zephyr, which should be coming out in the next month or two, I think. Uh
0: Scum and Villainy is the, uh, that's the, uh, like, Cowboy Bebop-esque one, right? No?
1: I do not know, because I've never seen Cowboy it's, Bebop, it's, but maybe. It's
2: really more Star Warsy.
0: More Star wars Okay,
2: alright. It's like, like, if you made a, like, a Venn diagram of Cowboy Bebop and Star Wars, and Scum and Villainy is in the middle.
0: <laughs> that's pretty rad. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't <laughs> mean to was, cut you off, it, but yeah. No, nope, not at all. Yeah.
1: That, that was a fun game. Um, I played a doctor on TV. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then you also have a, a Valkyrie uh, Gaming um, Discord. You want to? I think this is pretty awesome. You want to just give <clears> a quick, <throat> quick pitch on that, real quick? What that is?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess it's been about a month, month and a half now, where I finally got the doors open for Valkyrie Gaming. Uh, we first started off as like Valkyrie Gaming as a place for um, women, both trans and cis, um, gender fluid, and non-binary um, war gamers. But then we expanded on to um, tabletop role-playing as a whole because I'm a huge fan of tabletop role-playing. Sorry, I meant tabletop gaming as a whole because I'm a fan of tabletop role-playing as well as tabletop wargaming. And I figured that it was a community that needed to be spread far and wide. And slowly we're getting that opened up to... uh, more and more people. Um, Our members have kind of slowed down uh, coming to the gates, but I'm hoping to get that picked up here again soon with uh, some new avenues of recruitment. Uh, That is where I uh, met Monica, was on that server. Um, So yeah, it is my goal to eventually be able to expand our Discord server into real life get-togethers once we're allowed to Go and meet in the meet space again
0: um <laughs> once once big rona quits putting the beat down on everybody
1: <laughs> yeah even right. if it's just getting a bunch of people in the same area together to sit and talk about their games it helps build that community so later on down the road people can feel a bit more comfortable about getting together and talking and playing and just socializing regarding their games because it's not it's not always um gaming communities sometimes are not always receptive to people of a gendered minority Mm -hmm. it's probably the easiest way i can put it uh and this is hopefully an effort to break down those barriers a little bit to get more women out there gaming because the more of us that there are gaming the easier it is for other people to get into the hobby
0: it's true it's true, and and that's going to be your your sort of secret parallel here. Uh, me, a boring white man, uh, will tell you. Um, but but uh, no, it, 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 I think RPGs, and that that's really kind of at the heart of why I start, why I wanted to do this episode in particular. Um, I think the the sort of opportunities for socialization via role playing games, where where you literally uh, are in the art of changing who you are and thinking from different perspectives and that i think is essential to sort of you know de yourself from from this world we live in and, and really being able to build empathy with other people and i think that's what what is one of the, the things that just makes rpgs a fantastic uh jumping off point for for this inclusion and 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 representation um so uh any, anything else or, or shall i go on to the next uh
1: uh, well, actually, well, actually um, <laughs> on Saturday at, what is it? what I say? One o'clock my time, 12 o'clock Pacific, uh, April 18th. I am starting, um, a new gaming stream tied in with Valkyrie gaming as a learn to play stream. Uh, so it's another effort for me to try and get people together to play games, um, So if you have no idea about a game and you want to try it, the stream is perfect for you. It will um, start to introduce concepts of the game from a base level from like minute one. Uh, If you want to be on the show to play a game, that is awesome as well. I've got links to that to uh, let people invite. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how to word all this. Um, I'm doing a thing stick around on Saturday and you'll see it. And
0: and it's going to be on Twitch, yeah. Andrew,
1: Andrew's on this. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'll uh, I'll be there uh probably playing some like uh disruptive like Dirt weirdo- yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh up in up in my top right we've got my 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 great friend Katie. We go way back gaming. Uh she's directly suffered my murderous GM wrath. Um <laughs>
3: a little bit of an overstatement. It is, None it of is. My characters have died.
0: No, I I've Next. only I've only killed I I I don't think PC death as like a uh punishment or even as like a story thing is should ever be something that a GM aspires towards. You know, I learned young, you know, I don't kill players, players kill players, you know, like as a GM um, but no, why don't you take us through? Um, I guess your your quick intro here, and and you know your history with gaming, your your you know top RPGs, and and uh, sort of what you what you do, and okay. where people can reach you.
3: My name is Katie. Uh, as Andrew said, uh, we go way back. But my history with tabletop role playing games started twenty years ago, and. Let us not think too hard about how old that makes me. But I started playing tabletop role-playing games when a friend of mine actually decided to make her own her own game. Uh, you know, realizing what I know now, I can look back and say, oh, she cribbed pretty heavily from Second Edition D D. So yes, I do know what Thaco stands for. Um, if I remember anything else from. Second Ed, it's going to be a miracle because as soon as I got a little bit older, you know, 3.0, 3.5, just really fond memories of the two. I've dabbled in a couple other systems, 13th Age, a little bit of Pathfinder, which, yes, I understand pretty much the same thing as 3.5, yada, 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 a little bit of White Wolf, and now 5th Edition is kind of my great love of... current era and that is kind of kind of what brings me here really because i started playing an andrew's game had a great time with it and i don't know oh yes if you want to hear more of this awesome voice and this uh somewhat offbeat sense of humor you can find me i participate in a podcast called pick a side stupid uh Technically, the podcast is still going. There is going to be new episodes every Tuesday, and I am a regular writer and as well as competitor.
0: The um, Pick Aside Stupid is, uh, real quick, for those who aren't familiar, this is actually a comedy podcast uh, that essentially you do. Well, What what, what exactly is Pick Aside Stupid?
3: Pick Aside Stupid is a comedic debate podcast where uh, every Friday evening comedians from the Boston area get together and how do I describe this it's uh, set up like the Lincoln Douglas <laughs> debates in which a question is posed to you you have to take one side your opponent takes the other you get a minute to make the best argument you can then a 30 second rebuttal and our host is the only arbiter of who is the Victor each podcast and there's a lot of booing and if an evening goes by that we don't delve into either shaming somebody's kink or the <laughs> literary works of Chuck Tingle, it's a miracle.
0: This is this is often, like you said, comedians doing this. So it's it's the humor is 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 ever present with a very uh, sort of structured form, which is I think where where that sort of uh, that juxtaposition is where you get a lot of humor.
3: It's halfway in between a stand-up comedy show and an improv show and neither pure stand-up comedians nor pure improv actors really want to associate themselves with it so I think we're doing something right <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh and then rounding out tonight's guests uh sort of off to the right here I've got uh Monica. Monica why don't you uh, tell uh chat gang about yourself. Get the wine hey, present I-, I see.
2: <laughs> I do, yeah. Hey hey chat gang. Uh, my name is Monica um i am a writer developer and designer for um, onyx path Publications. Uh, i've worked on uh third edition i've worked on science second edition i've worked on trinity continuum i've worked on uh vampire 20th edition i've worked on vampire fifth edition i've worked on vampire the requiem i've worked on demon the descent i've worked on the new hunter the vigil uh <laughs> i worked on deviant the renegades um now i'm trying to remember all the other chronicles of darkness stuff i worked on i worked on a lot of things guys Uh, um, Most notably, I am currently the mechanical developer um, on the team of developers for uh, Exalted Essence, which is the rules-light version of Exalted 3rd Edition that is in process right now. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are fans of that or were excited by the press release that came out in December, but I'm one of the people in charge of that, so that's cool. Um, (laughs) uh, I joined the... Valkyrie Gaming group with Charlotte. Um, Actually, thanks to a friend of mine who was, like, a friend of mine from the Malifaux community, and we're pretty used to being, like, the two women in any Malifaux chat, who was like, you have to join this. Here's a link. And I was like, fuck yeah, of course. Of course, I'm in. Uh, uh, So that's been awesome, hanging out with everybody there. Um, I'm also the uh, co-host of my podcast, Bonus Experience. Um, My other co-host and I are two queer women uh and we talk about game design game writing game running um it's not an actual play show um we do sometimes do interviews but it's really just her and I talk for 30 minutes about some sort of not one on one like in depth game design game running or game writing topic um but it is also a comedy podcast sort of i don't i don't know like comedy sort of implies that we do bits <laughs> We don't really do bits, but we are funny. I don't know how to describe it. The humor podcast.
0: Y'all are the the humor is ever present. The f bombs to punctuate like runs of thought are fantastic. Uh, the rolling gag with Margaret that just yeah like it took me a few episodes to figure out that Margaret was was really an ideal and not a not a human. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Margaret is is actually several people. Okay, but Margaret the, the concept of Margaret. Margaret is not real, sorry guys, she's an idea oh, She's fake
0: no.
2: <laughs> uh, Margaret is the editor we blame When things go wrong uh, And probably my favorite gag is that I will tell Margaret to do something And then it doesn't happen So, I mean like, Margaret, put in an air horn sound right now And then there's just nothing uh, So it's, we talk about like Pretty in-depth game stuff But in a funny way yeah uh, so and the shows are um, they're about half an hour long because I didn't I didn't really want to do a show that like droned on forever I thought that it would be boring so it's short sweet punchy and like we focus real tightly on um, one particular topic and then like kind of really get into the weeds about like technical stuff um, our, la- our the last episode we recorded which is not out yet was actually about character death so
0: oh man I yeah. will have to check that one
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I'll probably be out in like a month or so. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, yeah. I just, but anyway,
3: parked your podcast because that sounds exactly the sort of thing I want to listen to. It's
0: okay. It's fantastic. I see. I, as a like experienced gamer, I still like, I still f- find out things. I, I come back to the punk one because I didn't know Hope Punk was a thing, and so thank you so much for letting me know that this is a thing. But like. It, it totally, like, clicks. I'm like, oh, yeah, because the world sucks right now. So you'd be pushing against the status quo of things sucking and how hope would actually be counterculture. Um. Yeah, it
2: was it, that was, like, a whole movement on Twitter. I think it was last year. Like, between 2018 and 2019, like, Hope Punk became, like, a thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot of stuff. And then, like... the 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 idea of that was like a controversy and that was why we talked about it twitter informs a lot of what we do on on bonus experience because invariably i will hang out on twitter i will get mad at something i saw i will text ray who's my co-host and i will be like "Ah, can you can you believe what people are saying on twitter and then i turn it into an episode that's that's often what happens there
0: someone was wrong on the internet get the studio ready
2: Right (laughs) Paul margaret So uh, to be mad with an audience.
3: I want you to know that at first I misheard what you were saying, and I heard Pope Punk.
0: Ooh. Oh. That could be fun.
3: It could Mm. be, but as someone who kind of uh, left the Catholic Church behind, Uh -uh. uh, I have my doubts.
2: I mean, same.
0: Same. (laughs) Um, no, like, um, an example of Hope Punk, I think that you gave was actually like Undertale, right? Where it was actually, I mean, that's a video game, but, but Undertale yeah. being like very much, you know, pacifist playthrough is kind of the playthrough. And, you know, that, I mean, that, I found that really like, really like sort of resonant. Um, and I, it, I think the episode's like a year old or something like that, but it, it still held up, you know, this is where I was like kind of jumping in on your podcast right there. And then I, I've been addicted since, um, but yeah, uh speaking of of shows that that prattle on for really long amounts of time, welcome to Rantcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so tonight, like um uh, I guess like I I just had one real quick question. Um Exalted, is that still like hinged to the White Wolf stuff, or did they branch out and like kinda like go off on their own? Because I haven't played what Exalted since what two thousand four or five, like when it was kind of first coming out, and there was a I mean a big mix up going on with like White Wolf. They were coming out with a New World of Darkness, and and then and then I and then I I'm just now trying to get back into some White Wolf gaming.
2: Right. So short answer is yes. Do you want the long answer?
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So the Onyx Path broke off from White Wolf, but also licenses things from White Wolf, which is owned by Paradox, like the people that make Crusader Kings. Uh, So Onyx Path writes all the stuff for Exalted, which uses the same proprietary systems that White Wolf invented, but has to basically pitch books and have them approved by White Wolf, which is owned by Paradox. Uh, So like Vampire 5th Edition is created by White Wolf, the imprint White Wolf. do I need to explain the idea of imprints and book publishing and stuff like that to people? I think
0: that might be a little dry, okay. but... <laughs> Alright, I won't go there. Fine.
2: But, like, but the license... Like, OPP basically licenses it. So I worked on a V5 book, even though it's owned by White Wolf. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's... Yeah. So, so, yes, Exalted is still a White Wolf product, but it is produced by the people who work for the Onyx Path.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And, the, and Onyx Path owns the IP to Scion, to Trinity Continuum, um, Aeon, uh, Aberrant, um, and then a couple of unique brand new titles. Like they came from Beneath the Sea. Um, oh, Adventure with an exclamation point. So you have to say it like Seahawk from She Ra. So go, Adventure! Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they own that. And so that has its own system. And it's pretty, it looks very similar to what you would be familiar with um, if you grew up playing White Wolf games, but it works pretty differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um what was New World of Darkness became Chronicles of Darkness, uh, and a lot of those are going through a second edition revision. But that also still involves Onyx Path basically getting the licensing and the approval from White Wolf, owned by Paradox. So there you go. That's the long version. Wow.
0: Yeah, man, what has <laughs> changed in the World of Darkness. See, I, I I quit playing since basically around Revised, Gehenna was mm-hmm. was just coming. It was just they were just doing the Gehenna thing, kind of. Uh, Wiping the slate slate clean and starting with the world of darkness stuff, which now I guess like if I don't call it Chronicles of Darkness, then like a bunch an angry mob shows up and like throw me. the I don't backup. know if okay. an
2: angry mob is gonna show up, but it's technically more correct.
3: the best kind of the best kind of correct. Kind of correct. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, right. And
0: Katie, looked like you had a you were kind of hanging on to a thought there about Exalted, um, before Monica got into it there. No. Um...
3: No, Exalted is actually one of the White Wolf properties that I've never played, and I don't know if it's just me and my horrifically bad luck, but I have not had good experiences with White Wolf games.
0: Hmm. I think that actually kind of leads us to an interesting, uh, like, topic. I've, I've been, like I said, trying to, like, get back into the world of darkness just to, to, um, I have this story that's been kicking around in my head on account of my, like, actual real night terrors and sleep paralysis. I'm like, oh, I know. I'll run a horror game. Who makes horror games? And then, like, I had to find out that, like, uh, everything I know about the world of darkness is, is like, different. And, and you know, there's two different lines of vampire you could be playing because there's, like, Requiem, Fifth Ed just came three, out. Three, man. Three? Three.
2: Oh, yeah, V20 as
0: well, right? The 20th. <laughs> yeah, there's three. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, there's three. Because there's Vampire 20th Anniversary Edition, which is basically just, like, the vampire you remember what cleaned up. And then there's Vampire: The Requiem, which is the Chronicles of Darkness version, and then there's Vampire: Fifth Edition. No, I I had, I had to I've do... worked on all of them.
0: That's fantastic. No, I actually actually it was your chat that I asked about. Like, okay, I'm thinking about running Vampire, uh, and then uh, like, where do I even begin? And like. Uh, I th- your Terry, I believe it was. It was like it sent some links, and you sent some links, and then I did a bunch of research for like about a week, and, and I think I've narrowed it down to Fifth Edition. But, but over the course of looking into it, I, I, one of the things I thought that was immediately awesome. This ties into what you were kind of mentioning, uh, Katie, is the the bad experiences. Uh, one thing I loved about Vampire Fifth Edition is they have essentially codified game themes on the character sheet, and I think that that's really important for modern gaming we've seen these like uh sort of consent uh like gaming checklists that like a lot of that have become really like uh you know in usage with a lot of like D games and 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 other rpg uh, rpg especially since we're you know roll 20 is kind of becoming the way a lot of us play our games because face it we've uh, many of us have become adults we've scattered across the country and our old gaming groups you know that's how we play uh katie is you know roll 20 you're in boston and i'm in wisconsin and uh this what uh oh, sam's in minnesota in yeah we yeah yeah we got a guy in california so like literally the whole you know we, we've been able to kind of keep our uh, a version of our, our old college gaming group together through the magic of the internet um but i think that there is sort of this Changing of the guard, this 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 sort of new culture uh, in RPGs, notably uh, because they're so popular now. I don't even think we can claim RPGs as nerd anymore. I think they're they're just pop culture, and I specifically blame Critical Role and a little bit of Stranger Things, but that does mean that like we're getting a lot of attention. This this sort of formerly you know just nerds uh, sort of uh, 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 subculture has become culture. And with culture, you get a wider net. You get a lot more people interested.
4: I don't think you can really
0: assume a lot going into a game anymore. So this themes thing um, on the character sheet, I, th- I think, man, that's really cool. Because vampires specifically, White Wolf games, the world, of these horror games, can be really... They have some real cringe content sometimes. He, yes, they do. And, and you, you yourself, you said, Katie, you haven't had any... Like you just t- tend to not have good experiences with it and
3: I I think it may mostly be me. For... Well, you know me, I can't take anything terribly seriously. Yes. And for the number of vampire games that I've tried to play and junk games started on the LARPers, but <laughs>
0: LARP shaming. We'll start the drinking game now. Anytime we make fun of LARPers, anytime I manage to talk about Ossiark Bone Reapers anyway while we're talking about RPGs, um, chat game, go ahead and have a drink. No, um.
3: Okay, yes, I will drink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it. There's, um. I don't know, like, um, there is sort of like, uh. Maybe like there two. Is, continue, yeah.
3: There is a certain ridiculousness if you'll pardon my saying so, mm-hmm. to any RPG. I think there is a certain amount of unreality that goes along with every game, and I feel like if you are taking everything too seriously, it's entirely possible to just miss the point entirely and not have any fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, games are supposed to be fun, right?
3: Um, yeah, and- Maybe some people just have fun by pretending to be angry all the time, but I can't do that.
0: Yeah the, the murder I'm hobo laugh. yeah, the classic murder hobo mentality where like you got to be edge lords killing everything all the time, right I, I, I do think that we're we've developed a little bit away from those stereotypes. I haven't heard anything from uh, from you in a little bit, Charlotte. Um, any kind of thoughts on this current uh, meandering topic we're on?
1: Ah. Uh. Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, Monica, I'm not sure if you're in the Twitch chat, but uh, people want to know what your favorite clan and vampire is.
2: Yeah, I, I am in the Twitch chat. I'm, I'm Sarah's Winterblood there. Um, it's Bruja.
1: Okay. Couldn't tell no, from the tell
0: jacket. That, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um, I, I think. Rock vampires. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty metal.
1: The clan where you always have to be angry to play, or that's
0: how people see it. It's not that they have to be angry; it's You're that have to they're be more specific than that. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I um, it, it's weird because, like with with vampire, like I said, you have this this pro, uh, this this sort of uh, you know this leaning. Uh, Cringe themes that could come up i was really worried about that but as i looked a little bit more into fifth edition i was like okay cool but exalted doesn't really have that issue because exalted is very much like uh, almost like a fantasy's fantasy game like it's it's sort of over the top i'm i'm completely uh not familiar with exalted well i guess monica why don't you take us where like how exalted differs from the world of difference and where they've gone so of late do,
2: do we do we want to open this can of worms right now
0: do we, we already
3: have
2: <laughs> okay. Depends on how much wine
0: you've had. Have you had enough wine to I open this can of worms?
2: I'm I'm working on it. Uh, I will talk about Exalted happily sober uh, and just get increasingly more unfocused and excited the more wine I've had. Uh, You're on so the correct it... podcast. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> uh, so um, you want the, the gist of the question is how does Exalted differ differ from regular fantasy?
0: regular fantasy and how does it stand apart from like the the sort of standard white wolf tropes i guess i would call them
2: okay so (laughs) all right so exalted is a game about playing extremely powerful characters uh the exalt the titular exalted are humans who have received a spark of divine power that makes them capitally exalted um and the exalts themselves are were basically super weapons from an ancient war to defeat the things that made the universe. Uh, which they succeeded at. Okay, cool. um, and then the rest of the lore is basically this cycle of power and decline uh, where the people in power eventually become corrupt over time, do te- abuse their power, and then get overthrown, lather and uh, until, like, the sort of the solar Exalted, the, the sort of most protagonist... I don't want to say that. Exalted fans will come for me. Like, they're the <laughs> core book splat. They're the core book splat. They're the ones that are, like, the easiest to play, but they're also supposed to be the most powerful. Um, and the, they are the former rulers of the world. Uh, they got sealed away, and now they've come back, and that's, like, into a world that, that fucking hates them. Uh, and that's sort of where you begin with mm. Exalted. Um, so it is... So the game, like, it differs from, like, a D&D fantasy um, because rather than lean into Western themes, like knights, uh, wizards, um, with, with like, a European-type theme, it goes Eastern and takes inspiration from Japan, from Korea, from China, from India, from the Pacific Islands, uh, like, all Eastern things, um, which... If I'm completely honest, in past editions, was pretty appropriative. Like, it was that sort of idea, but written by a bunch of white people. Not a great look. Yeah. <laughs> but it but it was different.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And, like, Exalted in, in 2001 had a black woman on the cover. Uh, Exalted 3rd Edition has a trans man on the cover. Like, it, it was always kind of transgressive in its progressiveness, like, pushing that envelope. Um... And, like, uh, putting, like, gay characters in example text and stuff like that. Like, it it has done that consistently since Mm. the beginning. Uh, So it did that kind of... You know how, like, White Wolf was kind of, like, progressively edgy? (laughs) In the 90s and the early 2000s? It did that and leaned into it in a way that, like, stodgy D&D didn't. Mm. Uh, And, like, I know 5th Edition has made strides in that so i'm not i'm not calling out current D, but like in the past sure it was it made other fantasy games look stodgy by comparison yeah uh because it was sexy and flashy and they're like white wolf did the whole like there's titties in this book <laughs> like i have you can't see my exalted books but they're they're right over there uh and i probably could grab one and like hold up a picture of boobs for you right because <laughs> like on accident it, yeah yeah, like, maybe not on act, maybe even on purpose, like, naked people were pretty prominent in exalted art, and so it was, like, transgressive in a cool way, the way a lot of White Wolf stuff was. Does yeah. that make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, White Wolf kind of, I think, made made bank on being counterculture early. Like, that was really, yeah. I think that that was really kind of their, their niche. I mean, even the idea of, like, uh, you know, like, goth punk as... Like that's your a like that's the like what a niche of niche markets to try to like cater to in, in RPGs you know that's like the initial like pitches to try to get like the Chicago goth scene to play your game like, <laughs> um and then to to kind of yeah so like and then they they took that even more, they 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 kind of took that even further and I. I I remember my original read on Exalted was like, oh, this is for, like, the anime, like, people who want to play D&D, but they really want to play with Buster Swords and stuff instead.
2: I mean, yes, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was... Okay, so I got sold on playing Exalted, this is the most embarrassing sentence I think I may say, all night, but by a member of my college improv group who told me it was an anime game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) like, which it I isn't mean, really. I can't
3: throw stones. <laughs> okay,
0: fair. <laughs> um, all my games devolve into, like, into uh, my influences, which are, like, you know, like, weird, like, lit nerd stuff. And then, like, all of the anime and video games that I've all ever consumed. So, uh, the, the yeah, game. Yeah,
3: I want you to know that every time you devolve into some kind of anime sidetrack, I am sitting in the corner looking at my dice and thinking, God damn it.
0: Why Why? I watch some of this shit? Oh, and like the last adventure the last campaign was really heavily inspired by Xenogears. And like
1: uh, Yeah, so like there's literally like
0: god weapons hiding under the planet and I blew up two moons and killed two gods over the course of one whole game. I should say shouldn't say I did. The party killed one of them. <laughs> um, but they always go like really big One of the struggles I'm currently having with our game, Katie, is that, like, I didn't jump the shark early enough, and so now I'm like, I've been playing this, like, trying to, like, run a straight, uh, like, a a straight game, like, be really fantasy and, like, straightforward, and I'm like, I, like, I can't, I don't know, I'm out of my depth, man, I need to blow up, like, a moon, something to get this campaign back on track.
3: (laughs) Okay, um, we can talk more about that later. Yeah,
0: okay. Hmm. But there's got to be a a small challenge, like you said. You're you're actually like working mechanically on this book. There's going to be a small challenge in sort of taking out that like appropriative, uh, you know, sort of trend in in, uh, previous editions and making it something more, yet further, like sort of uh, a progressive game.
2: Yeah, I mean, the third edition line has taken really big strides to hiring people of color and hiring people of other cultures, you know, and not just stacking the deck with a whole bunch of white people who looked at wikipedia once yeah.
4: um
2: and so it's a matter of bringing those people onto the project i'm working on too uh i, I i'm not going to take any credit for doing that that's that wasn't me that was me picking people who were like you're good at this you're good at this you're gonna <laughs> you come with me you know mm-hmm. um so that's I, I can't take credit for any of that um But uh, I can talk about rules (laughs) I can talk about plenty. Um, And I want to go back to Exalted as an anime game because it's not, it's true, but it's also not true. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Like it's anime in the sense that like you can have an oversized sword or a giant ax or whatever, like very Mm -hmm. JRPG-ish. And it's anime in that like everyone gets to jump really high and have like a Super Saiyan aura and, Charge up your thing and yell cool attack names and stuff like that, but that's that's also very fighting gamey. Like, mm-hmm. it's not. I don't think any of these things are particularly limited to anime, mm-hmm. um, because like, um, keep your hands off, Isaac is also an anime. Just putting that out there. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, <laughs> Which, yeah.
2: I don't know if that reference <laughs> hit anybody else, but
0: <laughs> I missed it. It's a slice
2: of life show, anyway. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so like. Uh, one of the, uh, they actually have, like, a, a Twitch emoji. It's the Mr. Meth not even though I constantly talk about anime. Because, like, I am not, uh, I, I don't, I, like, I, all my knowledge on anime is, like, is trapped in the year 2005, basically. <laughs> and so if it's happened since, uh, I pretty much don't know it. Uh, yeah, thanks, Frank. Um, No, uh, there, there's kind of, like, a, a subject, I think, that we're kind of dancing around here with engaging sort of new people players in you can you can go sort of with layers in this you know engaging new players into a new game uh and game could be like a new system like say we play a bunch of DD well what if we want to play exalted now how do you know how do i get people to engage it, like in exalted what if they're brand new players to rpgs in general um you're actually uh charlotte you're actually like kind of running this sort of new player focus stream uh this coming weekend so maybe you can like uh sort of uh lead off on this one with like how you know what challenges are like getting people to engage on a and take it in any direction you want game can mean your game your campaign or we can mean system you know setting etc uh
1: i don't know i find the hardest part of getting people interested in playing them is getting them interested in playing them Mm
4: -hmm.
1: people have I feel that people have a preconception going into role-playing games. Either they know what they are or they don't. And if they don't, many of them aren't too keen on checking it out because once upon a time, it was for the geeks and the nerds. But like you said earlier, with shows like Critical Role and L.A. by Night, um, it has brought more people into the hobby, um, which in the end for any kind of community is better when there's more. Um, But I do notice that in a lot of groups, you have people who get stuck on a single system, a single game,
4: Mm
1: -hmm. and it is the most popular and well-known game out there right now, and it is my job to try and chip those people away and get them into other games. Because one game you'll never see on my stream is Dungeons & Dragons, because there are so many other streams that cater to that. You'll see me running stuff like Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Wrath & Glory, which just came out today, Soulbound, which we're due to see in about three weeks from now. Um, Like I'm big into the Warhammer stuff. Uh, so the Warhammer role-playing games, the three of them that are out there now, are they're huge for me. It's it's neat to see them all coming out, especially uh, Soulbound. Like, you and I are part of the playtest, so we've seen how this game works, and it is phenomenal. Like, I love everything about it that I've seen so far.
0: Uh, With uh, mindful of an NDA, I think it's a great bridge game. And, like, when you... When you make a game, I, I think this is asked and answered right, at this point, but you want bridges to your game, you know, from other places. So we want as many bridges built away from D&D as possible these days, like getting people to go, okay, I, you know what that is because you saw Stranger Things and ha 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 Gorgons, and then maybe you checked out a few episodes of like Critical Role. Well now, come play this game that's going to be familiar, but it's going to offer something a little different. Um,
1: yeah you, anybody, well I don't want to say anybody, but there's many people who are in our for lack of a better term, our nerd culture that know what Warhammer is. So they've heard about it, they may have seen the stuff in their gaming stores it's an easier sell than some of the other ones. Uh, And like Monica was talking about Exalted um, when you're talking about the Solar Exalted when you're given an explanation of what they are I see Stormcast.
0: Mm, Yeah. yeah. Except
1: that people like Stormcast. (laughs) Like in setting,
2: people like Stormcast.
0: Yeah,
1: mostly. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay, um,
1: okay. Yeah. Go back to the Exalted thing for a second. Uh, that was one of my first uh, RPGs I played, yeah. and the first time I played it was when we were uh, in. Uh, we were waiting for course for our trades course in the army. So after basic training, while we were waiting for our next course to start, one of the guys there had his Exalted books. So like, I've got a copy of Exalted first edition upstairs right now. And that was coming on the heels of me spending a hell of a lot of time on a Vampire uh, Revised Edition. Uh, and, like, those books right now are stacking up my monitor, probably about half a foot. Uh, <laughs> so, like, the whole White Wolf vampire thing is uh, a warm moment from my past. Uh, like I was telling people in the chat there, um, Lore by Night is a pretty wicked podcast to check out for a lot of uh, vampire lore over the ages. Uh, he goes through a lot of the history of the different clans and uh, sects and whatnot and Torreador forever. Um
0: uh, man, I don't I, I don't think I can say which, which clan I like. Um or I'll maybe get like I'll lose all my viewers right now. Melcavian. Melcadian Melcavian.
1: That's wrong with that. You know what that was probably <laughs> my first clan that I enjoyed. And then it was Ravnos and then Torreador with, with a slash of uh daughters of Cocophone. I, autonomy, depending on how you pronounce it,
0: I also like Zamisi, uh, but like there's Sabat, and I hate Sabbat. Like, they're just, I, it's like uh, there's like a hypocrisy to Sabat that like it just doesn't jive with me. in the Catholic, the like the parallels to the Catholic Church, where I just like, oh cool, I'm playing some studi, uh, so some like some stooge for the Catholic Church, basically, except I'm a vampire. Like, no, thank you. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, it's funny they say that, like, I am not religious in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, Spiritual, maybe, but religious, no. But any chance I get to play a religious fanatic, uh, okay. I'm there. <laughs> that's... Sisters of Battle, I am there. Inquisitors, I am
0: there. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of like uh, that ironic enjoyment of the thing, you know. And you can really sort of dismantle the tropes and and reimagine them and rebuild them. I, I get it. I, I dig it. Um yeah. I liked Zamisi because Count Dracula, man. Come on. <laughs> like, like, I found out. Uh, I found out Dracula was uh, was Zemisi, and I'm like, there. But uh, but uh, done. Yep. But my uh my st wouldn't let me play Zemisi, so I did the next best thing, which was Melcavian, and then I, that like, cause that that, you had
3: a storyteller who just wouldn't let you play as a certain clan.
0: Yes. Death.
3: Death to them. (laughs) Why? Well, why death or why wouldn't? No,
2: no, no. Why wouldn't they let you?
0: Um, like, they didn't like, uh, they did not like Zemisi, the whole, like, oh, I'm running a Camarilla game, so you can't, you can't play a Sabat thing, and I yeah. didn't know enough to know about anti-tribute yet. Well, like, I could be a Zemisi anti-tribute, or, like, you know, uh, like, you know, Anarchs and stuff, like, uh, you know, like, are a thing, you know, my Zb- my sire could have, like, said peace out, and, like, I'm, you know, I-, I grew up in a trash can next to, like, a biker bar, and it's all Bruja and Anarchs, like, let's party, like, but uh no so my SC just like well I think there was like some latent dislike of the the Zemisi or whatever well, I they their main thing was they didn't want a Sabat uh, character in in the party. So I did I did the fuck you I'm going to play the crazy guy thing, you know, cuz I that's me. Uh, the the contrarian. Yeah, that tracks. yeah. Um and and then from there I really really loved that like the sort of uh the the nuance that I was able to, to not realize I, like, I could unlock with Malkavian, so I had a character named Nails, because um, he, he didn't remember his, like, real name, and I, you know, it wasn't just the, like, the weird, like, I'm crazy and random, you know, like, that guy was really this drawing on my, like, insomnia, and, um, you know, how I sort of, like, feel like every now and then I, like, slip into, uh, just a different reality when I'm, I've gone sleep deprived for too long and so I really played up that and, and drew from what I knew and, and had a lot of I had a blast and that's why Melcavian like kinda of rose to the top from there. But I've always had that like, yo man, Dracula. <laughs> uh so Zemisi still stick around. What about uh I think now everyone's gotta say their favorite clan, and then only one uh, one's uh one's missing out, Katie. Oh, Bruja. <laughs> Bruha, of course. <laughs> um so so we got two Bruja. It was at a Torridor and, uh, and a Melcavian, so we, we could get a pretty good uh, what is it a coterie going I think.
1: Yeah, we got a coterie right here. <laughs>
0: <coughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll 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 see stuff. You know that that's why I always like liked to um, give storytellers and GMs uh, more excuse to describe more stuff. That's why I love playing like high perception characters. It's not to find the traps. It's because I want to force my GM to describe more things. Uh, so I was like that, uh, I was like that aspect of Melcavians is like, they were always kind of like aware and plugged in, even if it was kind of crazy. Um, does it? Hang on. I think my cat is trying to get into my
3: office.
0: Fair enough. Um, let, let the, let the flu frame. Um, well, uh, Katie catches her, her, uh, lets her cat into the office. Um, Monica getting people to engage with new systems. Do you have anything to sort new systems or games or engaging your players? You actually talked about this, uh, with your, your co-host on your podcast recently. A little yeah, bit. I,
2: um, I'm trying to remember, cause we've talked about, we've talked about building engagement and we've talked about building trust. And we've talked about like trying to loop in new people. Yeah. I think the most recent one was about new people, but it was more about like running for new people.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and writing for new people, and then, like, if you were in charge of a gaming project, how do you deal with brand new writers? Like, that was, that was like, my little bit at the end where I rambled for too long incoherently, because that's what <laughs> happens when I don't script myself. Um, but, uh, so I think, I think the key to getting new people invested in playing something else is to appeal to the things they like. Which sounds like non-advice, <laughs> but I think it's probably also the best advice. Yeah. So, like, if your buddy, who you want to play something other than D and D, fucking loves Mass Effect, well, then you should probably introduce them to a sci-fi game. Um, if they're a big Firefly fan, like scum and villainies right there. Uh, like, if they're uh, I'm trying to think of another genre, like. If they want more high-flying action than D&D tends to mechanically support, then Exalted's right there. If they really like, uh, fuck, Percy Jackson, Scion is right there. Uh, like,
3: or if they, ba- they wanted to do something Wild West, you could do Deadlands. Deadlands,
2: yeah, or Through the Breach. Um, if, like, if they're really into, like, Dishonored and Fallen London, uh, Blades in the Dark. Um, if you really like, uh... Hmm, wheels are spinning. I'm trying to think of, like, Warhammer, play any one of the Warhammer games. right? Uh, Like, it's, I think it's pretty easy to, oh, the Magicians, Mage the Awakening, or probably not the Ascension, that's pretty crunchy. But, like, there's, you also have to then consider, like, the mechanical barrier to entry and how willing the player is to learn the new thing. Like, I don't particularly recommend Exalted 3rd, 3rd Edition for new people, unfortunately, even though I am a person who works on the line, Uh, because it's very mechanically intense. Um, It's got a lot of rules, it's got a lot of moving parts, uh, character creation is very involved, um, and it does require some degree of system mastery, like some understanding of how everything works together in order to, like, make a good character. And I don't mean, like, a wins-every-fight good character, I mean, like, does-the-thing-it-wants-to-do good character. (laughs) Um, Which is why Essence is being created. the, the whole Exalted Essence project is to sort of remove that barrier to entry and to introduce it to everyone. Um, and so, a lot of the development time has been spent trying to figure out how to how to keep knocking that barrier to entry down to get it as as simple as we can possibly make it and as welcoming to as many people as we as we possibly can, while still sort of keeping the things from third edition that are enjoyable. Yeah, and that's been a task, man. <laughs> been pretty hard i think we've i think we're tremendously succeeding but it's been really hard yeah
0: yeah the um i think that's what age of sigmar i think that's one of the things that's made age of sigmar is switching kind of the core of what my show often is about i think that's one of the things that's made age of sigmar exceedingly successful as like a war game compared to Mm -hmm. like the much crunchier warhammer fantasy battle um even even like 40k has gone pretty pretty elaborate um with with age of sigmar it's like Nah, like, you don't need to worry about wheeling and guessing distances anymore, you know, play by intent, roll your dice, and and watch models explode off the table. Like, you know, pretty straightforward. I think that you can have a... People often conflate great game with complicated game, and I, I simply right. think that's a misnomer. Um, I, I mean, you you want to codify some stuff in rules, because I found as a GM the biggest question I get with, like, new players, and I've since, like, given up on running new players because I'm, I'm curmudgeonly and old these days, um, but, like, the, the the big question I often get every game is, like, well, what can I do? And you're like, anything you can imagine. But you want to actually have some, some rule that suggests what they can do,
2: you know? Right. I think when people ask... What can i do it's 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 like a customer service question where like when someone's like what time is the two o'clock parade or whatever where the question is not really what can i do but where do i begin mm-hmm. so like yeah. i think i think when someone says what can i do they mean where do i begin like what action should i take how do i how do i approach this problem uh, how do i how do i roll for this thing or like what do I need to consider in order to make my character to do the thing I want to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard Charlotte agreeing with me.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and then, uh, yeah, I was like,
3: agreeing with you, but I did it quietly.
0: <laughs> uh, Charlotte, you have a thought there?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. When you first get people into RPGs, um, It takes a little while for them to get settled in to be able to interact. Like, if they're not used to it, for a lot of people, it's a weird situation to be in. It's like, okay, so I've got this human cleric in front of me, or apparently this human cleric on this piece of paper. Uh, Now what? How do I do this? Like, do I say, Talia, my cleric, goes forward and tries to cleanse the world of evil? Well, Eventually. (laughs)
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Might be the end goal, but you're sitting in a bar.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You're sitting around the table with a bunch of friends. You know, you hear the music in the background. the The server is bringing you uh, your beer that you just asked for. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What are your teammates doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's trying to guide them in the proper direction to get them going. It's like getting a car over that first little bump. And once they're over that bump and starting to go downhill, then they start to pick up speed. They get comfortable with it. Uh, once they get to know the people that they're playing with as well, it becomes a lot easier. Um, like even for me, like I've done my fair share of role-playing in the last little while. And a few weeks ago, I was invited to do, uh, it was a, uh, an actual play recording with the developers from Cubicle 7, and we were doing a play test of a new adventure that's coming out. And we had it broken up into two sessions. Now, I've talked to a lot of these people before on uh, a lot of the discords that I manage, um, but I've never seen them on camera. I've never interacted in that way. So sitting into a new table, they've all played together. They know each other. So they were able to roll with it, whereas I was kind of quiet, wasn't sure how me or my character fit into it yet at that point. But then on the second round, on the second game that we played, then... I got more into it because I was comfortable with the people. So that's that's part of the challenge as well, is getting people comfortable. And honestly, that's where I think a zero session is super important. Because you're not under any pressure at that point to play the game. You're there to learn the game. You're there to set the boundaries for you and the people that you play with. And get your characters sorted out and your group concept, which for me I think is a huge part of the gaming experience as well how does my character fit in with everybody else how do we work together do we have one little murder hobo who's off on the side here who just wants to stab and pillage everything that they can find while this other person is trying to save the world Mm -hmm. right your your characters at the very start are um, worlds apart and getting them to work together sometimes might not always work to be able to have a functional party Mm -hmm. but if you go down saying okay so what is your where do you think your characters fit as a group? Are you a band of mercenaries? Are you outlaws? Are you uh, Doctors Without Borders? What is your goal? What, what brought you together? And once you're able to say what brought you together, you're able to work together to create characters that work as a group. You may have some issues between the group, but that's just normal for anything else. But you're not one person's here, one person's there. You're more close to the center. So when you have that discussion going into a game, anybody who's new to the group or new to the system has a chance to to settle in and start talking to the people that they're going to be spending three hours a week for the next year around a table. All
0: right, All right. Um, I just
1: kind of went off. I hope that answered. The no, question.
0: no, that's really great, Katie. Um, you um, from from your perspective, how do you like? How do how do you get in like engaged with a game? Like what what is it? You know what's yeah. Sorry. Oh boy. Um,
3: This might be a slightly different perspective on this, but for me, the easiest way to engage with a game is to trust that it's going to tell a good story. So, story. Yep. There has to be a story there, and I have to have, you know, some amount of agency over my character, oh, this is going to sound really pretentious, and you can boo me off the stream if you like, but for me, roleplaying is all about building the character. And as a writer, a lot of what I do is just, okay, what is my character going to do? How is she going to react to X, Y, and Z? And... I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir because you've seen me do all of this in the games that you've run, but...
0: Well, Tess is... Uh, your, your assassin, Tessana Penhalo, is is one of, like, in my experience as a, as a GM, is one of my favorite, one of my absolute favorite characters because, you know, that collective storytelling experience, you know, is... That's why I, I like, I write, you know, my little fiction and books, yada, yada, yada something that the that, that D&D and and Exalted and and Warhammer Fantasy role playing game and all these these games we've been talking about do one of the things that they really do that other forms of art I I don't think replicate well is that 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 back and forth. I mean yeah improv acting to to an extent but that like collective storytelling experience, that shared experience of a story together, you know, often I think people forget that the game master is a player as well and Game masters you'd do yourself a lot of justice, or storytellers or, you know, DMs, whatever you want it, your vernacular is. You'd do yourself a lot more justice if you thought of yourself as a player as well. Because you're not lording over the table, you know, dice in one hand and story in the other, and you know you're sitting at the table with your group sharing this experience, you know. The the best plot lines that came out of out of any of my games, are often character-driven ones. I have my my story. But it'll always be me kind of having to recalibrate. Speaking of Mass Effect, <laughs> calibrations. Uh, it'll always be okay, me having... Are ha- you seeing the Garrus in the background? Or? I, I can't get over the Pinkie Pie and Spike, man.
4: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah... Um. That, that, like, sort of recalibrating and, and, and like, riffing off of each other is really what I kind of, like, live for. And that's when, you, what you're talking about, that going in that, that character mentality, that character build mentality, that gives everybody at the table, every player, um, ways to engage each other, which is really what it's about for me. So, but we it's actually... Basically, uh, yeah, go on.
3: I guess what I'm saying is, I would play anything if I knew and trusted the people I was playing with.
0: And that's, and that's where... Speaking
3: of which... Go ahead,
0: yeah. <laughs> I have... Tales of Equestria?
3: Yeah, I want to do this. I want to run a Tales of Equestria one-shot. I have some more research to do, and...
0: <laughs> I've it. actually
1: brought that up about running that on um, my Learn to Play stream in the future.
0: There's a... Uh, I think y'all should exchange information because that <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. Um,
3: yes, we should. Would you drop me an invite to your Discord server so I can get in on this?
1: Darren writes, um, yeah. Just to steal that for a second, um, a lot of the games that I love to play are dark and gritty games, and I figured if I'm going to try, if I'm going to try and learn games and teach people games and be able to have people learn from the streams and the recordings. Being able to run games for younger audiences, I think is, it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, depending on your group, when you bring up My Little Pony RPG, it is not meant with a lot of, uh, ooh, uh, I want to try that.
3: Uh. I think it's important to be willing to take chances, and... There are RPG systems that are devoted entirely to, you know, cartoony concepts. There is Toon, there is uh, BESM, which I only just figured out a couple weeks ago, stands for Big Eyes, Small Mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was like... That... I have, yeah, go I have on. a
3: history with BESM, which is actually an anime
2: game. But anyway, carry on. <laughs>
3: it is actually an anime game, and just the over-the-top, the... Top, the the no real death to it, the bright colors, I think there's... I think there's something there. I think, especially, you know, the world right now is a really uncertain place, and I think if we can all just take a step back and play something that's just going to be brightly colored, maybe a little sugary, but just fun and happy. I think there's... I think there's a lot of value in that and especially now
0: i agree i agree i think there's a lot of value in rpgs right now i i can't play age of sigmar currently you know we've skipped a couple tournaments so i've really been reconnecting myself with with rpgs and and uh trying to find my passion for telling for for telling and engaging with the story again and 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 all my players again and as soon as this move is over i, I promise we'll pick back up katie <laughs> um no you
3: i will hold you to that I,
0: my bad, <laughs> going through going through RPG withdrawal. Like I'm starting to get the like the shakes and stuff. It's not it's it's not good. Um, my dice tower
3: is getting dusty.
0: My bad. <laughs> no, I, there's like I, I like the um I like the the looking for something bright. I think there's a uh, you know the best stories have a gradient on either side. Um, you know you're gonna have that like the, you know, the bright colors and the darker tones, and that's really where you're going to, that juxtaposition is how you're going to, I think, get something really meaningful. But sometimes games should be fun. <laughs> just having fun with RPGs. Um, the, uh, what is it, Dungeons and Discords episode of My Little Pony is is <laughs> basically... Everyone get that reference? Um, the Dungeons and Discord episode is, is really just, that is engagement, the episode, because Discord, this villainous character doesn't want to play doesn't want to play the RPG Spikes RPG and because
3: he thinks it's for nerds. Right.
0: Right. And that, I mean that's really what's going on is you know how do you it's for nerds. Well no no, this is a lot of fun. And luckily pop culture has helped us out a little bit by disarming some skepticism about what an RPG can be and, and how much fun people can have. Um so we kind of had landed on two of my other sort of bullet points here not that I use notes. But session zero, you brought up. Uh, uh, you you actually brought up Charlotte. The session zero. Um, where session zero is. I mean, can you think of a terribly compelling reason not to have a session zero? Can anyone in the world think of a terribly compelling reason not to have a session zero anymore? I feel like that there was no. A,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually wrote a note. Like I've I've been writing down things to comment on so that I don't interrupt anybody, but also so I don't forget. Uh, um, if you listen to our, we actually have a BXP episode about running session zero. Um, and um, my co host recommends doing something she calls the pilot episode,
4: mm.
2: where you run one session of the game with everybody's characters and it's a freebie. You don't like the way your character built, was built, redo her. You don't like the way you jive with the other player characters, redo it. Uh, you don't like your choices of powers or your feats or whatever, redo it. You don't like your stats, redo it. Like you get one freebie and then, and then we start play. I love that. I I love that idea. Like it's a pilot episode. So your character can be recast. The actor quit and someone else came back. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's it's a, it's a test run. Um, I mean, I think there's maybe an argument against doing that because people have limited time, but Mm -hmm. if you can do that, I think that's a wonderful idea.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I I've always I've always called, had the amorphous gray blob, blob rule which is the first three sessions you're all amorphous gray blobs so that you can you we can change them uh, if something's not working so you have three we, we usually do like a three adventure but I like the pilot episode a lot better because that feels more that feels less arbitrary than than my like amorphous gray blob rule
2: um I mean I also always roll with the the ...rule, I guess, that, like, if you don't like something about your character, it's fine if you change it. It's... it's... ...uh, it's... it's bullshit to... to be like, well, this is a decision you made months ago. Live with it. Like, like, if there's a power or something that you're not using, I'm fine with you changing it. Because why invest in something that you're not... doing, you know?
0: I f- there's a BXP quote that... that y'all often say. It's something... it's right on the tip of my tongue... If you don't is like, it, it's something about changing things. <laughs> uh,
2: change it if you want to.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, I think I, that that's just free like freestyling with the and rules. Give you a great starting point, but even Gary Gygax has the, uh, you know, the goal. Gary Gygax's rule, uh, you know, golden rule is that like the rules should be malleable because the story and the fun are what matter like those are sacrosanct in the game. Other than that, nothing else is. Um any thoughts there Charlotte as I catch back up with Jack Gang here on the you you started the session 0 thing. Uh and this was something I wanted to discuss. I think it's super important.
1: Well, I don't know. I was just uh keeping the conversation going a little bit in uh the chat there where uh um AOS coach was saying that uh, there's unlikely to be a murder hobo in session zero. <laughs> I'm sure if you've talked to the right people, you'd be surprised.
0: Um, I, one of the first campaigns.
3: underestimate the tenacity of a murder hobo.
0: There's, I mean, there can be a lot of fun with a murder hobo campaign. If during your session zero, you establish it's just five, it's just five people who want to be murder hobos. And then you just, you do a monster of the, like, me, my, you know, my lofty GM notes go out the window. I I rewrite it as a Monster of the Week campaign that waves, like, waves to my story going on beside the town that they're routing and stuff like that. You can have a lot of fun, but that's the importance of the Sessions Zero. Get everyone on the same page. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
3: This, this might be my inner snobbery coming out. If you want to be a murder
2: hobo, play a video game. Ooh. I'm applauding you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm also a, I'm also a snob, one. so
0: someone who works in the industry a snob about uh, about RPGs, please tell me more. No.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I have I have some pretty in depth thoughts about why people murder hobo and stuff like that too. Hmm. Uh, which I have flagged on my notes as trust. So like I think I think you can wean people off of the idea of being a murder hobo by engagement and trust um, mm. because people want to just go from place to place killing and looting because they do not trust the GM to give them something to engage with meaningfully. Mm. Uh, like a lot of people, the the murder hubu thing is often a very reactionary response to uh, an antagonistic GM who will like kill your horse if you leave it parked outside the dungeon, or like murders your parents if you know whatever, it, like kills off people that matter to the players' characters and all that kind of no, stuff.
3: No RPG character ever has living parents,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: unless they're a plot
2: point. I've done that a few times.
0: Uh, <laughs> so am I. T- had yeah, t- yeah. parents, yeah.
2: <laughs> right. But, like, I-, I was just making parrots as a joke, but, like, let's say your character's sister is someone who's valuable to her, uh, mm-hmm. and then your GM kills her off while you're, uh, you know, adventuring. Well, you're never going to trust the GM to treat the things you care about with meaning. Like, uh, killing, like, sometimes killing off an NPC that's valuable to you is cool and dramatic, but the player should be in on that or suggest it, or something like that. Um, and when you do things like that, you violate your players' trust, and you make them act you know, in like a like a reactionary way towards you. Um, yeah, and it, Andrew. It... I stole your shadow! I'm sorry! <laughs> this is not to say that you can't... This is not to say that you can't fuck with your players, because you absolutely should. Um, and as a, a good GM, you should constantly conflict. just be throwing them enough rope for them to hang themselves with. Conflict. Constantly. Yep. Um, like Conflict is excellent, but violating trust is not. Uh, so like when you do that you basically tell them implicitly I don't care about you or the things that matter to you Mm -hmm. and so they go well we don't care either and they just go around killing people and not giving a fuck Mm -hmm. so like I think building a trusting relationship between yourself and your players and going okay then because once that's established you can then go okay get into this mess because you know I'm not gonna Fuck you in any way you don't want to, while you try to get out of it. <laughs> Consent is important. <laughs> Consent is important. Right. And I, I mean, fuck you in the like plot fuckery kind <laughs> of way. And just felt like uh, you know, if you want to include sexual content at your table, that's up to you, but well, this, it should
0: always be consensual. It should be consensual, and this is another thing you can establish with a session zero. This is where the the, right. the theme checklist. I mean, get what you know. As, that session zero, when you get the party dynamic, which is something that 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 Charlotte brought up, I thought was really cool. Is 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 you know why are you going to be a group? Having that in mind, you know a lot of the you know the you all meet in a bar sort of thing. There can be some fun there, but like being like y'all already met in a bar. You're adventuring now. Why are you adventuring now? You know starting with that. I mean that's even from from screenwriting and 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 scriptwriting and and novel writing start the scene as late as possible you know you know get in late get out early i mean you're doing that that good storytelling tenet with the actual party dynamic you're going why are you together and we're just going to start with that i think that's really cool that that builds the trust everyone is on the same page with what they want you know maybe someone wants a political intrigue style game and you're like ah yeah sorry this is the uh you fight robot mountains uh campaign (laughs) <laughs> you know oops i made my political intrigue character <laughs> um you know you want to you want to be upfront with some of that i don't think any any gm is such a clever storyteller that that like you have to hold all the cards to the vest and you won't be able to tell a compelling story without like being like hey this is going to be the one where you know a god wakes up that's what the campaign's about and it's going to it's going to be a big deal when that god wakes up and we're going to go in some crazy you know epic level type stuff or whatever you however you want to pitch it right being upfront with that uh, from the storyteller the the uh you know the the gm side of it helping your players all kind of engage and connect early that's building trust um and just kind of the other side of the coin i think to to your point monica um some players if they don't trust you and think you're just going to kill their you know their their you know support character the things that matter to them they never form bonds that they care about either in the game you know they're not they're not they're just not going to oh if you're just going to like run everything they're going to only have that surface level level enjoyment and you want to to build something deeper
2: i mean i think there's also value in just playing a dungeon crawl if that's what you want to do yeah. Like someone in the chat suggested, play Space Marines kicking alien ass. I, I'm down for that. But that's <laughs> that game. Like yeah. a dungeon crawl is that game. Uh, Space a Marines des- destroying the Xenos is that game. Like that's not really murder hoboing. That's playing that game that you've established. And okay, those are I both games I would play. What's up? Sorry.
3: He said torchlight, and now I need to check something.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, torchlight. I think it's. I think it's called torchlight. Is uh.
2: Oh
0: man, what's it? The blue like? No, no, no. I'm, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting the name of it. Andrew, if Andrew Yells were here, he'd, he'd 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 uh, uh, Lightbringer, Torchbringer. It's an RPG. It's it's pure dungeon oh, crawl. Torchbearer. Torchbearer. Yeah. Pure 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 uh, dungeon crawl RPG. Um, you have like a light source mechanic that like it's just like if you really want the brass tacks of just a pure mechanical dungeon crawl, like there's a game for you. You know, there, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. The, um, so I've I Even trying...
2: playing, like, a classic D&D game as a dungeon crawl is fine. Like, I think that's also, well, let's tie that right back into Session Zero, because if you're, if you're setting up Session Zero, you're getting everyone at the table, you're going to roll up characters, and you're going to tell people, this is a dungeon crawl. <laughs> right? Like, so the expectation, setting expectations is another thing we talk about on BXP a lot. So, like, the expectation is set that this is going to be a game about killing monsters and getting loot. Period. And that's fine. Like, I'm not ragging on that as a game style. That may not be something that other people enjoy um, or a game that you want to buy into. So if you show up at the session zero and the DM is like, this is going to be a dungeon crawl. We're going to kill monsters and get loot. And you're kind of like, I'm not into that. Maybe I won't play this time. Then then you, you are informed and you can back out instead of building like a political intrigue character and then realizing that there's going to be no politics in this game. <laughs>
0: Dastin Brandt, uh, my kingmaker through politics character that will never be. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. My chair just broke. Oh, no. It's horrible. <laughs> um, Are you yeah. you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Or, you're okay? Okay. Oh, man, that sucks. Um, rip. See, I just, I, I couldn't help but kill the companion character the evil gm just it it that will is going to do what it must and in this case the chair had to die yeah, i'm sorry
1: i know <laughs> not that bad i like to
0: joke that i'm an evil gm but i'm actually like a really i think i'm a pretty a pretty pretty okay you're
1: fairly with... benevolent
0: okay but... <laughs> right no 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 we got it abb man, abb always be on brand i'm evil <laughs> um no what was it? The stolen shadow? Yeah, yeah. That was that was like stolen four. Shadow. Yeah. I, don't hold that one her I know, I know. I uh, I stole her assassin's shadow. It was. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like,
3: like
2: like some Peter Pan shit? Or yeah, like pretty much. Yeah, yeah, to...
0: <laughs> okay. yeah. In Final Fantasy. Very,
2: very dark
3: Peter Pan.
0: In in uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy uh, Tactics, there's an ability called Shadow Stitch, mm-hmm. and and uh, they were fighting this this uh, not fighting. There was this uh, this character who's essentially this um. If you ever saw a reboot hexadecimal, mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: if you could imagine hexadecimal, the like spider goddess who could like mm-hmm. stitch shadows and and like craft and stuff like that, she uh she dealt a lot with like shadow magic and stuff like that. She uh she she stole Tess's shadow. It it was a paralysis effect temporarily, but Tess, uh, a character of just supreme will, was able to like uh, break it uh eventually and she never got her shadow back but she did gain bonuses to stealth because her shadow couldn't give her away
2: (laughs) i mean (laughs) i mean you're 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 ribbing him but it actually sounds like something that was was pretty (laughs) memorable so i wouldn't exactly call that betraying (laughs) trust
3: (laughs) no but i am going to give him a hard time about it for the rest of ever
2: yeah, I mean, that's
0: legit. That's I deserve fine. it. I, I, I do deserve this. it. I do deserve it. Or it's like um the like I, I had a bad habit of like killing mounts, but not not on purpose. So we're talking about this trust thing. And I think like, you know, GMs make mistakes. I, I think that's a you know, this this is something that 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 GMs need to own, by the way. Uh sincerity can go a long way when you're when you're trying to maintain trust at your table. Um but it would be stuff like like they tie up the mount outside the cave. They go inside, get teleported somewhere, and I'm just like, "crap, I did it again." You know, so like people just quit playing stuff with mounts in my games because I I would just like neglect their mounts in any of my calculations for encounters or stories and stuff. Um, so uh, there was a breach of trust there with mounts, I think, for a lot of my games for a long time.
2: Yeah, like um, you've probably heard of lines and veils. Mm. Uh, and, and that idea, do you think I should explain it for chat gang? Uh,
0: uh, chat gang might, may not know they, they tend to okay, tune I'm, in for AOS content.
2: Sure, I'll I'll explain it to chat gang because it's pretty simple uh, it's not as weird or dry as explaining um, publishing in prints so, uh, uh, so uh, um, uh, a line and a veil are basically things that you step forward usually during your session zero of things that um, are either going to not appear at all in this game or are going to be like behind the curtain they exist but we're not going to ever show them directly Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Um, so putting out a good example um, sexual assault is usually a line like people don't want that to be in their game Um, I will often put out harm to children that really upsets me I don't want kids getting murdered or hurt in my RPGs that's a line for me nope Um, let's say if someone's really arachnophobic no spiders in this game please you can put that down as a line Um, and so like even if you were planning on using giant spiders well they're giant praying mantises now too bad Like, you know, you have to respect people's phobias. They're like, nope, that's a line for me. Um, I have a colleague and a friend who's utterly fucking terrified of centipedes. That's a line, no centipedes. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter how creepy you want your dungeon critters to be, no centipedes. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that often comes up when I do this with my group is no harm to pet animals or mount animals. Mm -hmm. So, like, putting that, doing a line in Veil and being like, nope, I don't want my horse to ever get hurt. Mm -hmm. Like it's plot immune and saying that up front is good so that you don't accidentally violate trust because you don't really think the horse getting hurt is a big deal, but someone who really cares about that animal does. You don't want to betray
0: you anybody like,
2: right. (laughs) And some people really care about that. And you, you want to give them a chance to say that Um, veils are things like I'm always okay with characters getting busy. I just don't want it on screen.
0: We, we black, we fade to black. Right,
2: right. Like, Romance and sexual relationships can totally happen in my games. I'm not against that. Like, in fact, I think players or players and NPCs like developing romantic or sexual feelings towards each other makes for a more interesting story. But like, I ain't I here to write porn with you guys. So that's. expecting
3: a character, sorry, no, no, that expecting a character to remain completely, uh, for lack of a better word, chaste throughout the course of. Any campaign, I think, is a little unrealistic. Yeah, I agree. Like... Yeah, yeah.
2: But but it doesn't have to be explicit. It doesn't have to be on screen. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly.
2: And in fact, sometimes it's funnier if you
0: don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've the uh, brown chicken, brown cow rule, or or you know, brown chicken, brown cow, or or uh, <laughs> the fade to black. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, so like okay. you—that's where we make you know the the fun, uh, the funny, the humor comes in. Like, yeah, the brown chicken, brown cow happens. Like, and you just <laughs> and you move on because that's that's part of you know that that that's building that relationship. You, one thing I love about RPGs is, is the rolling jokes, the inside jokes that just become, that just carry from campaign to campaign and game to game, and and they start out with as a joke with this one group over here, and if you you know cross pollinate other games. You find yourself making that same joke in another in another troop or another game. That stuff's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I love this idea. Vanilla, uh, referring to the uh, the uh, the lines and veils. I, I think this is a, another really kind of just important thing. This goes with that the theme sheet um, uh, notion that I think White Wolf is is starting to uh, again like really galvanize in their rules, and not just like a, a player driven thing on the internet. It's actually no no no. This is on the You know, we're going to tell you what themes and tropes to avoid in this game. It's going to be right as a stat on your character sheet. Uh, Part of your session zero, you should just discuss these things. Um, You know, you should never take for granted, like, people's assumptions and stuff. You know, I I tend to be pretty good with my horror descriptions. I would hate to, like, land on someone's very real phobia because I've never, hey, you know, no fly zones or centipedes. Oh man, because I had this really wicked time eater centipede encounter, and now I can't do that. You know, like, or I do that, and I discover this this thing that that have just never come up in natural conversations with with even your friends. Right,
3: Because I I actually want to go back to one of the games that we've played because uh, yeah. the thin ones. Yeah. Like, I did not realize that was going to figure in my nightmares. I went to bed that night and
0: yeah, but the thin and... ones were, uh, uh, for, for chat gang and, and the other guests here, the thin ones were a, were a campaign focus, uh, a villain that really, uh, they were there in the first act, uh, the party didn't know about them. And then, uh, the second act is really where like they, they really came to fruition. And then, and then they, they were sort of dealt with, uh, via this hexadecimal character. She was actually weaving the thin ones out of shadow stuffs. Um, the Thin Ones were essentially, uh, basically these abyssal stick figure drawings with these hook hands and they would physically possess by, like, crawling inside bodies and, and unfurling across your, like, your, uh, physical skeleton. Very much like a sort of puppeteer type, you know, creepy. Yeah, see, um, based very heavily on, uh, my own night terrors, uh, where essentially I have, you know, I have sleep paralysis, I see a bunch of black shadowy stuff in the room, and I'm like, oh, dude, those make sick villains. Uh, of course, uh, I myself never thought to even. Oh yeah, no one's going to be creeped out by like weird shadow puppet strings. Like no one's going to care about that. And then you go into the description. You watch the party kind of recoil a little bit. You go, oh, uh, I need to tone down this. You know, reading your reading the room, right? Like you.
3: It's not so much the monster as it is the loss of agency right. that really bothers me. Yeah. But you know, that's not something that you really you really think about when it comes to uh, as as monica said lines and veils mm-hmm. which i think is a fantastic concept and i will
0: well the forward. thin ones never there was the one time they were always supposed to appear as a threat to the party but never really threatened the party it was supposed to be these are you know tagging the npcs and all these like sort of uh you know you, you look at an anime you have the characters in the background that are just like the hand-painted watercolor and they're never animated. Like, those are a threat to those. They're not a threat to the party. But then the game happens and things happen over the course of, like, organic play. And now suddenly the the party is directly encountering these things. And uh, player agency is one of those... those. It's very important that your characters always maintain agency and control of their characters. I mean, these are their avatars in your world. Or your being everyone's world, right? Like, because we're sharing this, this, this experience. Um... Player agency is a delicate balance. You want to have cool mind control effects or or something like that. So one of the things I did as a GM early is like I, I left dominate abilities, I just don't use them. Uh, I switch towards like confusion effects instead. So like yeah, you still lose agency, but it's confusion. It's 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 more the my little pony than, you know, grotesque and overt and full domination of, of one's agency. Um you know so, go, go ahead. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I am a person who writes powers a lot. Yes. Uh, And so, like, um, sometimes things like how do you write mind control and have it be cool and scary and something that creates a sense of horror in the player without taking away, without getting gross and creepy, right? Right. You don't want to give a creep the tools to assault or harm their player by taking control of them, right? Yes. Like, by taking control of their character. That's exactly the opposite of what you want to do with a, a scary power. Um, so a lot of the times when I'm creating these, uh, I will do something like basically create a list of choices that you can force someone to choose. Hmm. So, like... Ooh, that's, the, I like that. You take, you take control of someone, and they must do one of these things. So if it's used on a player they still only must do one of these things. Like, uh, you can force, you can make a demand of a character who, you know, must, you know, take an action they are capable of taking uh, that is within these things, involving this ability or involving this skill or whatever. Like, uh, so if that's used on you, you're like, okay, I have to take a combat action, but it's up to me, the player, to decide who I take it against. Or, you know, there's also nothing wrong with being like, but you have to take it against your friend uh, because that can create good drama. But like, but if you leave it open ended, then you leave someone room to be like, well, then you have to have sex with my NPC. And that's disgusting. That's already Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, another kind of in, in the same vein. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. Continue. Or...
2: No, no, no. That's That was basically the whole thought, is that um, I also write, I, I do a ton of powers designed for Scion, um, which does involve things. And also, like, like, Exalted is a high-powered, like, they're literally demigods. They're the children of the gods game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so a lot of things that I put, like, hard code into things is that you cannot use this on another player's character without their consent out of character, period. Yeah. Uh, like, because I wrote a bunch of stuff for the trickster calling, which lets you, like, automatically steal shit and, like, pilfer things from people and stuff like that. Things that are really annoying (laughs) (laughs) when they're used against another player character, uh, without their consent. And so all of them are basically tagged, like, oh, you can totally use this to fuck with your party if the other person is in on it. Like, their character doesn't have to be okay with it, but the player does. Right.
0: And there's, I think there's something iconic with when you're talking about like playing roles and stuff like that. The Jedi mind trick, right? Like, who has it? Like, pantomimed like being a Jedi and stuff like that. But you want to keep that fun. The surface level. You don't ever want to like open up those those cringe moments. Um, the uh, the greatest mistake I ever made as a GM was having this weird televangelist encounter, and uh, th- that's where I learned the hard lesson of how much of a third rail uh, mind control is in games. Because you want that, like, there's a natural drama that occurs when, like, this guy could could mind control the barbarian. Oh, no! If the barbarian swings the axe at the party, this is, you know, there's a tension there. So you want, like, to balance that tension, but then you also, like, again, that that third rail of, of total loss of agency of your character. I mean, the other part of it is, like, they're not playing the game anymore. If I'm controlling your character, you're not playing the game. You're supposed to be playing, not me. Uh, I could play all five characters myself, but then I'd just be really sad and lonely. (laughs) Monica writes dope powers. And, like, something like a trickster mage or a Loki-esque. I can see people wanting to play something like that, but not wanting... Yeah. Um, So... you
2: You don't want that kind of stuff to become disruptive. I feel like I've talked an awful lot.
3: (laughs) That's funny, because I felt like that, too.
2: Okay. All right, cool. Well, I
0: guess we're all in this together, then. Yeah. Uh, Anything to to add in there, Charlotte? Because uh, we've all been talking an awful lot.
1: (laughs) When I get going, I feel like I talk an awful lot. Uh, But, yeah. um, Hooray.
3: Self-conscious.
1: Well, you know, as a community manager, I... Have to talk a lot. Uh, Get those conversations going. Um, When it comes to the... What was it? Lines and veils. I don't think I've heard it uh, termed as that before. Um, Honestly, not too long ago, when the uh, discussion around an X card came up, there was a lot of people who were like, what the fuck and why? But it was very quick that it started to get adopted... At tables everywhere and conventions everywhere and all of a sudden it is now a thing which is there which is in place which people use and nobody questions it
0: the X card being the uh, this themed checklist you go through and you cross off the stuff you don't want to play you, you don't no, um, no, no that would
1: be your consent checklist consent. Uh, your, okay. your X card is um, as you're going through a game and if you come across something that you're not okay with, then you would pull your X card or a red card or a yellow card, depending on what the table's system is set at. And when that card comes into play, it's, Kate, let's quickly take a moment, we'll shift gears and move on to a different topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, It lets people avoid those triggering situations that they might not even know that they're getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Monica.
2: uh, Oh, no, um, I... I haven't heard just, of this, just personally, like, so... Uh, basically, two things about the X card, because it's really good, and I um, was astounded in a good way to see it showing up at, like, D&D Adventurer League tables. Um, but, like, the X card kind of has a, a little bit of a problem. Like, it's it's a good tool. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the, the trouble with the X card is that you basically flag something that's wrong, right? But it's already happened. And so, like, it is unfortunately a tool for you to go, whoa, stop, I, I want to back out of there. Which is fine. That's a good way to, to tell the GM that, like, this is a problem. Like, uh, we'll use the, the thin ones example. Like, uh, Katie could have thrown down an X card and been like, that's too much for me. That's too creepy. I've, oof. Yeah. But unfortunately, the problem is, is that that image or whatever the troublesome thing is is already there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, the other thing is that people often forget that the original X card also had another side with an O on it where you flip it over and throw it down when things were good yeah so like i'd love to see that become more popular too you anyway, want
0: the good that, side that was all I had to right on
1: there i know one system that people used. actually sorry uh katie you were going to say something as well
3: i have completely lost whatever thought that was it is gone carry on
1: <laughs> um a partner system to the x card is like your your green light system. You have a green card, you have a yellow card, and you have a red card. A green card is all systems go, this is fun, this is awesome. Yellow card is something where, you know what, I'm not too sure about how this is playing out, and this might be getting to be my little uh, no area, and then the red card would come out when, yep, that's definitely no area, let's not go there, let's kind of take a moment if people need it.
0: I like to call it the cringe zone. <laughs> like, yeah. like we're entering we are entering the cringe zone, we're like, mmm, like you know Well,
1: you know, no, I I don't even know if I would call it that because that's like what Monaco's saying indicates that it's bad and it's not necessarily bad. It's just outside of your realm of comfort. Like spiders. Mm-hmm. Um right. the use of I don't, the use of X cards shouldn't be a negative thing, and it shouldn't be what people use when things go overboard. Um, gaming in public spaces and being a decent fucking human being should prevent you from going into those dark areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were situations that arose last year which shouldn't have happened, and they made uh, they made national headlines at a convention. Uh, a lot of us know what it is. I'm not going to go into those details. Um, the groups that I play with online, we, we play for our own enjoyment and we play for people's enjoyment as well. Mm-hmm. That is why we do the podcasts and that is why we do some of the actual plays that we do is not only for us, but for other people. So we try and uh, keep things almost PG. Mm-hmm. Um, we will always in our zero session talk about our no-goes. Uh, Like what uh, was mentioned before, sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual violence is a definite no-go. Violence against children is a definite Mm no-go. And then at that point, we as a table will say, yes, these are definite no's. And then we'll go around and we will talk about what we expect and what we won't want to deal with in the game itself, Mm -hmm. uh, which can be hard for some people. Uh, But the people that I'm playing with, we're now playing with, each other for months on end so it's a little bit easier to talk about these things Uh, one of the uh, podcasts that we've recently done uh, we have to record our last episode still is Cult Divinity Lost and when you look at some of the conversations surrounding Cult it could be a really triggering game and depending on who you're playing with and depending on what you're used to it could be a very cringy game people a lot of people have the opinion that well if you're not a big fan of horror and violence and this and that why are you playing this game but
0: well, just like vampire because that... right like vampire would be a really easy target for, like why are you playing vampire if you're not a fan of blood it's like yes you, you I've, I've run into that too is is you know i i I want to run a vampire game for like because i love the politic and the intrigue and the the clan and some of that stuff it's so like i don't want to obsess over the blood and the feeding aspect of it but like I've a lot of the podcasts that I kind of listen to to get caught up on vampire are like, That's why you're playing a vampire game. If you don't like blood, then you're playing it wrong. And I'm like, I don't want to obsess over the blood thing. I'm sorry, it's 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 an allegory that I'm not comfortable with.
1: Yeah, uh and you know, it's kinda of funny that you mentioned the vampire thing. Uh one of our uh viewers right now, I hope it's viewers because my uh Twitch aired out. Um we are in the Lore by Night uh, Discord together. And last week I went on a little bit of a, a rant about uh, like some of the themes around Vampire the Masquerade. Like I, uh, I want to run the starter set on my stream eventually. I plan on doing that a little bit sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do that, I went and I created a character to see character creation from the start to the finish to get a feel for that. And I found character creation on my tablet, because I don't have a book yet, was hard. There was a lot of back and forth. But as I was going through some of the uh, aspects, in specific, the, uh, the Predator type,
4: mm-hmm. the
1: Siren. The Siren was problematic for me. Just by the way of the wording of what the Siren is. I don't have it on me right now, but it almost actually uh monica might be able to help clarify it almost specifically states that the siren will feed during um intercourse in, yeah intercourse or anything like that yeah and are I, we talking
2: about the v5 uh, predator types yeah. yes
1: yeah they're uncomfortable
4: mm-hmm.
1: that one was like I, mean, I i would never have my character go and do that but i wanted that predator type right uh, you know what?
0: I don't know if the brown chicken, brown cow can help that predator that much, though.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so I, I have a couple notes here, and the one, I think if you want a vampire game that is less focused on the aspect of feeding and being a blood-sucking monster, then I think Vampire the Requiem may actually Bruh. be more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, VTR is a little bit more about, like, the metaphysical state of being a monster, um, as opposed to V5, which is really focused on like, like hunger dice are a fucking phenomenal mechanic, but they make you be a bloodsucking monster. Like the mm-hmm. game makes you be a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I read through the predator types and they're all really cool, but they are all really kind of upsetting. And I think that's intentional, mm-hmm. um, which segues really nicely into, let's talk about some other safety tools to help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to introduce you to some other safety tools, because there's actually quite a lot of them.
4: Right.
2: Um, and you can go listen to the bonus experience episode about it, too, and where we go into all of them in detail. Um, but one of the things I think you may find really helpful, especially since you're a big fan of horror and horror games, is the check-in. Where when you're, things are about to get intense or you you've read the room and gotten the sense that maybe, like, people are getting uncomfortable, you stop and you check in. And you're like, how's everybody doing? And then they go, okay, I'm doing all right. Or like, stop, I'm not doing okay. Or like, uh, there's like a middle, nah, I'm iffy. And there's like a handful of, there's a couple of gestures. You can, uh, if you Google it, you can find it. There's a printout that's like, these are the hand gestures you make. It's like, I'm doing good. I, I want to stop. And then like, I'm, I'm so-so. Mm. Uh, and everybody's like, and then the the one person who's like I don't I don't know this is making me uncomfortable. Then you you can either have a conversation with them or like ask them how they're feeling, and then either back off or take a break, and come back to it when people uh, feel better, right? Or feel more ready to handle this, or can articulate, um, you know what's bothering them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, as uh, Violet pointed out in the chat, uh, this does require. That, like, you can overcome the social pressure to, you know, clarify why you feel the way you feel. Um, And that can be hard. Especially if you're playing with people you're not as familiar with. Or you're...
3: She's
2: she's totally right. What's up, Katie?
3: It's not always easy to articulate why you're upset. Because God knows that sometimes if I'm just suddenly very... I'm faced with something that I find squicky or gross or disturbing if you if you talk to me in the moment I'm not always sure how to say what I find objectionable abil- shit I have been drinking <laughs> <laughs> but if you give me some time to chew it over just let me step back for a few minutes it's going to be easier for me to explain exactly why i find the thin ones again going to that example because yeah, yes it's easier for me to articulate why i find something so disturbing sometimes right. i just have to unpack my own feelings
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I found the the um one of the big things is someone you know i'm i writing horror fiction and telling a horror game are, are two entirely different things um one thing, you know, the, the way I've often described it to myself is the difference between Resident Evil, which is action horror, and Silent Hill, which is survival horror. Um, take sort of shifting something more towards the action horror thing can make a lot of things more palatable. You know, this is the, you know, the sort of like the Grand Theft Auto effect. Like, I would certainly never get in my car and just like start plowing through pedestrians, but like that video game sort of dilutes things behind all these walls of like, you know uh, you know I don't that's a terrible example. Resident I like the Resident Evil Silent Hill thing better, where Silent Hill is a very personal, dark, internal conflict, a lot of visuals, a lot of a, a lot of what it focuses on is a lot different, whereas Resident Evil's like, oh here's the guns and zombies are practically just, you know, it's zombies. Like, ooh, you know, they're so muted compared to something like Pyramid Head, which is a very visual uh, co- and even content-wise what where that thing is coming from versus like uh, you know T virus it's just a virus like there's not even a a hell or a heaven or hell vibe to the zombies in, in Resident Evil where you could you know prey on somebody's like religion with your theme and you're not even realizing it because you've you know you've you've just glossed over that that doesn't resonate with you as something fearful or or stressful um you know so i i've found that that's one way i've kind of begun to realize Articulator, think about it in, in in terms of RPGs, um, but I don't know if that helps. I mean, the the big thing is I've just shifted towards a, kind of back what uh what Charla was saying with like the PG vibe, like it's really just become like a a lot of like high higher adventure themes and and just kind of diluting out a lot of that stuff. Like, yeah, there's a big creepy spider, but I don't linger on the description of the big creepy spider anymore. You know, um, yeah, I, I
1: think I was kind of getting to the uh point where having something explicitly stated i think takes away from what could possibly be the intent around the creation of it when you you say something explicitly sex your mind goes to a certain place but if you change that word out for an intimate moment Mm. that could mean a whole different world of things
0: and like how you present something matters right like it's not just you know being on yeah like um Vanille here is, uh, I don't like horror, but my group got me into Call of Cthulhu by making it into Campy B movie horror. I mean, that's that's where a lot of my one-shots have went, is they're just, they're really over-the-top, like, Breakfast Club versus zombie-style, like, silliness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, when we were when we were going through our zero session for our cult game, um, we were clear as to uh, what we were doing, or what, what we were willing to do going forward. And uh, we actually have our Zero Session up on podcast uh, with Mud and Blood, if anyone wants to check that out to see what we went through, as well as our first two episodes, uh, which are kind of like prequel episodes for our characters uh, before our um, game gets uh, some screen time here in the next month or two. Um, one of the things that I put down there because of a previous, previous experience was... Uh, um, having a stalker. Uh, That was uh, a bit of a rough period a few years back and not one that I would like to go through again. So that was pretty much uh, a no situation for me. Um, But through my character creation and through conversations that uh, we had behind the scenes, uh, it ended up kind of coming up in the game itself. And even though it was a bit of a no situation in our zero session, it was something that was slowly brought in and communicated whether we wanted to go down that route. And when it came time for my character to face some of that, that stuff, it was something that it was a road that we went down, which ended up being a little less uncomfortable for me to deal with than what I potentially thought. So even though you have, your lines and your veils laid out in, in session zero, if things go in a direction and you are thinking about it and you are comfortable going down that route, there's nothing saying you can't go down there for the the uh, progression of your character and a player as, or the player yourself. Mm-hmm. The player as yourself, the player yourself. Um, I
3: understand what going on, and I, I understand the point that you're making, but I would like to add that when when you draw your lines, and when you're trying to create you know, uh, a suspenseful or horror-filled experience for your players... Well, but, I mean,
0: it doesn't always have a, to be horror There's right.
3: power yeah, in the yeah. unknown. And this is something that... Uh, I tend to, uh, I tend to use a lot in my own humor where if you just drop a couple of details and let, let everyone else fill in the rest, what they can imagine is often way funnier than anything I could come up with on my own.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And this is actually a trope, it's called the noodle incident. and besides applying to humor, I think that it can be really effective in horror settings as well
0: mm-hmm. Yeah do you do you do you think that like this is pertinent to like not just horror though like you know we horror is like a really easy thing to characterize and discuss but like you know standard adventure and fantasy like I think spiders was like a really interesting one earlier where like you know being deeply affected by these things that aren't necessarily horror exclusive when you can do a horror game, there's probably a lot more, and this isn't the, like, why are you playing vampire if you don't like blood thing. This is, if you get into horror, like, you go, okay, there's going to be some, like, there's going to be some no-fly zones here. How do you deal with that when it's, you know, you're just you're just playing trying to play your Kingmaker, you know, high fantasy space pirates adventure game. Like, how do you, th- those moments I don't think feel as telegraphed. Those the sort of no-fly zones don't feel to me like telegraphed how, how do you address that in a session zero
2: sometimes i just toss out my general lines as a matter of course um and then like sometimes i have to ask extra questions too of what like the settings about if i don't already know um so like i have a big like i want to retain bodily autonomy Rule, So, like, I don't want to be shape shifted against my rule against my will. I don't want to have my character's physical size changed uh, unless i unless it's me controlling it. Like, mm-hmm. you, I get to Ant-Man me. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, right. uh, you know, don't polymorph me into a rat or anything like that. I'm not into it. I don't don't do anything to my character's body that I don't want you to do,
4: mm-hmm.
2: which like maybe applies to a D&D game. Yeah, uh, or an exalted right? game but it's not gonna apply to a modern uh trinity continuum game which is a modern action adventure game mm-hmm. um and so like uh like i uh uh uh, uh 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 an oceans 11 or um a leverage or um, a burn notice type game played with trinity continuum i might still throw things out like no harm to kids no harm to pet animals and no sexual assault the the things that are a matter of course and whenever you put them out there people are like oh yeah of course duh." and I'm like well I'm just putting it out there just just to get in the comfort of saying these things and making them clear Mm -hmm. Um, like giant spiders probably not going to be a problem in my leverage game (laughs) (laughs) you know you never know but like it doesn't hurt to put out there that like hey I'm arachnophobic nobody should have a pet tarantula you know, like, or whatever you know, it's just it doesn't hurt to put that out there as like maybe something you could encounter um, but I probably don't need to put the whole like don't shapeshift my don't polymorph my character against my will mm. in, a, in a game where magic doesn't exist Right. Um, I, I also oh, someone said they liked campy B-movies and so they play Call of Cthulhu like that stop twisting that system that way go play They Came From Beneath the Sea <laughs> that is specifically a game for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, if you like that, there's a game for you. Go play it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And call it, call it Cthulhu's on the, on the uh, uh, D20 base system, right? The, the open.
2: Uh, call of Cthulhu's percentile, D100. Like, Oh, they yeah. moved yeah. it off.
0: Oh, okay. I haven't seen. It uh, there, long you I... know,
2: there probably was a D20 version because in the early aughts, there was a D20 version of literally everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was the call of Cthulhu I was familiar with and I despised sanity I hated having a doom tracker that said i'm going to lose the game at this many time like intervals and that punished me for noticing things because as we've established with the malcavian is I love noticing things in games <laughs> uh can you type that name out uh vanilla yeah. asks I'm um doing it right now how do you yeah i i, I think that's I mean, this just keeps for me like stressing. Maybe I'm just going to re- retitle this episode like uh, Session Zero is Important, like <laughs> RantCast. Because a lot of this, a lot of these like issues that, that I think can come up over the course of a campaign really can be addressed at your Session Zero. It set your, I mean, moving off of like, uh, you know, necessarily like the no fly zones or the, the lines and veils, um, but like just establishing. Expectations is a big deal when you want to have fun in something. You know, you know. I, can you expect to play pirates in this game? Like, do you want to play pirates? Like, can you expect to like have the king make maker or the dungeon crawler? Like, all expectations go a long way when it comes to to, to things. Mephisto notices you. Uh,
2: I, I that is the
1: new th- name of the stream.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also want to throw out there because we talked about horror a whole lot. And then we brought up comedy and the subversion of expectations. And basically, horror and comedy are the same thing with tension released differently. Yes. Uh, please see how incredible Jordan Peele is at doing horror and also how fucking funny he is. Well,
0: He, he just. Because,
2: yeah. Right. Because they're, they're two sides of the same coin. And in fact, there's a BXP episode about this too. Uh, <laughs> just go listen to my podcast. Yeah. Actually, real quick, uh, just
0: turn this off. Oh, I'll, I'll wait. Uh, go ahead and turn off broadcast. <laughs> yeah, go go catch up on all the BXP, and then you can join the conversation more informed. <laughs>
3: uh, for you to subscribe to my Patreon, that's what more I
0: want. <laughs> all right. uh, do b- wait, what is it? Uh, bing? Like you gotta do the. Bing. Yeah, Bing. That's,
2: right, that's, that's what we say when we're like part of the misdirected mark network. Yeah, yeah,
0: Bing. bing. That's what it. Yeah, I thought it was just anytime you were self promotional. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, comedy. Th- no, this is a fantastic point. Except, I I suck at comedy. I'm not funny. But uh, I'm pretty good at like making people afraid. Uh, um, but maybe it's just because like God, it, it's so true though. Like you're, it's it's subverting expectations. Like. I just had another Eureka moment. I'm going to listen to your podcast more, too, I think. <laughs> it's going to make me smarter. Um, there's a lot of uh, microaggressions that I've run into. Um, as a black player, there's a lot of microaggressions that I've run into that were seemingly innocuous phrases or genre concepts that are, that are uh, charged. And this can matter a lot for streamed games where your audience is anyone that wants to watch. There's, I think, you know, like we're, we're approaching like a more woke culture and it's really important, um, for like me, a boring white male to realize that I'm not often the offended party and that I do not have the final say personally in like whether you can be offended or not, but rather to always be aware, uh, I've stopped using the the phrase that I, uh, uh to call a spade a spade. Now I know it's, it, it shares... It, it's greek right whatever I, I don't need to be beat over the head by etymology um but because there is a perception at all that it is a, that is a uh that it has like racial connotations i've just stopped using it because i've become aware of it and i think that's something that's just super important um you know when it comes to uh the approachability these uh of making content um it, i don't know what really there wasn't a question in there but i thought it was pertinent to point out um point out that um uh yeah
2: <laughs> i think the most important takeaway there is that if that's not your area of, of expertise like if that's not your lived experience then when someone tells you hey this this is the thing that is the problem to not get defensive yeah 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 do ca- your do your best to listen and take whatever it is into account
0: yeah yeah um you know i'm 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 still personally struggling with not saying you guys at at my tables as it like, oh, you guys walking in there, and like, damn it, um, you know, like, and I, I think intent to be better and follow through on the intent to be better is it goes a long way, because not everyone's... follow
2: through just... is the most important part,
0: right? Yes, it's super <laughs> important to 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 change it. And Katie checks me constantly, so like, thank you, Katie. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> <Not>, no, no. <laughs> um, uh no it, it's I, I think it's important to follow through because I
3: will if you want me to please
0: please do um no I I'm, I Great. encourage anyone to tell me I'm uh I, I need to be better um because I strive for it um sorry it was the second part of something I had uh, I set up thread <laughs> uh some kinds of microaggressions which can happen even innocuous games too yeah I mean I see like language is 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 where I see it a lot in like how we how we say things is just shifting off of like these common colloquialisms and, and to to a better parlance because language evolves uh our understanding of games you know what was awesome for vtm in the 90s you know some of that stuff doesn't translate very well right now um you're um you're actually uh with exalted you know talking about you know that sort of othering that, that was happening in, in Exalted earlier on, even though it had, like, a lot of these, these more progressive concepts. Well, hey, we need to be aware of this other stuff, too. And, you know, that follow-through, that change, is really important.
3: And I think while you're following through, it's important to, you know, forgive yourself for slipping occasionally because... Progress isn't a straight line. And that's something that I I find... I have to remind myself of that every so often because as, as woke as I try to be and for as much as I know I throw... I just, like, throw things into conversation with you and the rest of our crew, but...
0: There's a familiarity there, too, I think, that helps when you're... But then when you translate that to you know now we have an audience you know th- that rapport is not there that trust that that you know people want to be better necessarily when you just have some guy talking on the internet or or what have you um sorry to to jump in there but i just
3: totally cool
2: i, I think when it comes to something like a microaggression that you may not be aware of because you are a white person and have never experienced it but um three of us are women so we certainly kind of know what that is like at mm-hmm. least in an adjacent thing maybe not The black experience specifically, but the experience of a microaggression, like, you only get to be ignorant about that once. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's not your lived experience, obviously you wouldn't know. But when someone is like, these are things that are the problem, you have to learn from that and do better. And the do better part is the most important part, because you only get to be like, well, I didn't know once. Mm -hmm. Because once you've been informed, that shit doesn't fly anymore. Mm And, and unfortunately, like our whole culture is based on things that are awful. Sorry, go
1: ahead, Charlotte. No, 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 no. Uh, continue your thought. Oh, I was yeah,
2: just I gonna that, like, was going to say that, like, unfortunately, white supremacy and patriarchy and all that stuff underpins a lot of the things that make up our daily lives and conversation. And so escaping that is really hard. And sometimes you'll probably say things that you were unaware is hurtful to someone. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Charlotte. I can tell you it. Go.
1: Um, yeah, so to carry on with that, like when it comes to the microaggressions and a lot of phrases along that line, I, I'm i pretty naive when it comes to the big wide world out there. Part of that is because I'm Canadian and we are sheltered. We live in a frozen wasteland. We don't see anybody or interact with anybody for half the year. Um, but like when it comes to the... Issues that people of color have to deal with. I have no idea, and some of those phrases, like even calling a spade a spade, I don't know what the connotation of that is, which I'm gonna be looking up afterwards, so we don't have to discuss it here. Um, but I didn't know anything like that. I, th- I honestly thought it was related to playing cards. Um, that's my ignorance uh, on that stuff. But
0: yeah, yeah. It's a garden tool. Garden tool, actually. Um, no, it, it was. It's a Greek idiom. Uh, but, like, it's, it's because we do live in a world where there's assholes carrying tiki torches very much trying to be racist and getting away with it. Uh, anything that could be perceived as racist, like, if I go to a movie theater to watch, like, I don't know, like, Frozen or something, and it's n- just all Nazis there, I'm going to check myself. Like, I didn't know that Frozen was a Nazi propaganda film, but now I might need to, like, look into this. And if that perception shifts... I, I guess I don't like that movie you anymore. You want to know if you just pulled that out of your <laughs> I did. I did. I, no, I did. I just said Frozen arbitrarily. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, for recognition. No, no. Uh,
1: yeah. An easy... I don't know how to word this. Um, one area or topic I think that everyone... Or I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people may have come across, and especially from being a woman in gaming or a woman in any kind of communities, is using the term "guys." Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. We even we even had that issue a few weeks back on the Valkyrie server. Like we have a mix of uh, trans women, cis women, non-binary, gender fluid people, and some use the term "hey guys." where others start to find that unsettling because of history, because of where they came from.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, a trans woman doesn't want to hear, hey, guys, right? It's not it's not cool. And then when you bring it up, when you mention it, when you say, hey, we don't really want to say that around here or anywhere for that matter. Like, you know, I'm bad for that at home. I live in a house of me, my wife, and my two daughters. And I will say, okay, guys, come on. Like, I'm awful for that. But when I'm out in public, when I'm in the servers, it's easier for me to modify my language to folks and people and everybody and words like that. But the moment that you get the moment that somebody says, you guys, and then somebody says, you know, that's not really appropriate to say that is when you really start to, to, to see people getting their hackles up. Well, it's this like, is- well I say that to everybody.
0: This is the don't be defensive thing that 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 Monica mentioned. I think it's super important that you don't you don't be defensive. Own it. Yeah. You made, you made a mistake. Change it. By the way, saying "folks" is old timey and charming. Uh, I like saying "humans." It's it's like men- I think it's, it sounds menacing and villainous. You know, like greetings, humans. You know, like. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, see you're my. Not the only one. <laughs> greetings humans like you walk up to your if you're especially if you're a gm and you walk up to your table like all right humans you know like you've got something sinister planned already like it's perfect
1: but as someone who plays the elf don't call me a freaking human (laughs) (laughs) insensitive
0: all right Um,
2: i I particularly like uh, friends friends oh uh for like okay, when, when you're getting your table together you're like, Okay friends, let's get let's get rolling. Like that. Um or if I'm in a particular saucy mood I will call my players kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kids. <laughs> okay, kids, get your dice. Let's go. We're I'm getting started. Peeps. What? Peeps. Peeps? peeps. Yeah. Peeps. Um and when I am writing as a, a professional and very squishy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I'm writing as a professional, I like hey all. hey all. Wow. Well, well, all yeah. Yeah. Um, because I like Charlotte at home. I'm like, okay, guys, come on, <laughs> you know. Um, but but as a professional, I you know I'm a I'm a developer, so I do have to speak to a large group of people and often a large group of di- diverse diverse people. Cis women, cis men, trans women, trans men, non-binary folks, uh, and so I just will start emails off with, "Hey, all, deadlines next week." Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: you're reading <laughs> the room,
3: right? Mm-hmm.
1: So you know when it's okay to say. Hey guys, and you know when it's not. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yes, and Andrew, I'm sorry if I uh, kind of muddle things for you because I know that at times in our D and D games, I will be like, "You guys," and
0: <laughs> we've we had some. I
3: can say that because you all identify as dudes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean that's that's the thing is like you you don't know somebody else's experience you know where they where they, yeah. they come from um, you know I learned really strongly you know empathy and you know trying to be better uh, I grew up in a biracial family I have two black brothers a black stepdad in off of Camp Lejeune military base in North Carolina in a trailer park where you could draw a line down the center of the trailer park one half white supremacists the other half black families um, yikes But the lesson I learned wasn't like, oh, I got part of the black experience. The lesson I learned was I get to step away from my brothers and instantly get all my white male superpowers back. And, like, that was the thing that, like, said, oh, um, people's perceptions and experiences is a lesson that I'm still learning. Because if I think I'm woke just because, like, I have some, some interface with, like, the black experience, not even the interface, not even a experience like if I make the mistake of thinking oh like I can you know be racially insensitive because it's okay I have two black brothers I need to get checked and I need to get checked hard you know uh, I, I think it's important that you know you don't know the war going on inside other people and it's just very important that you you're not defensive when you're checked and that you seek empathy and understanding that that's that's my that's my jam, anyway.
2: Yeah. I get what you're saying, but maybe not call your... Let's not call your privileges uh, superpowers. That's a little... Oof.
0: Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I'm, being, I'm being sarc- uh, I'm being tongue-in-cheek. Tongue-in-cheek, but... yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's some asshole out there that actually thinks that. Ugh, yeah, gross. unfortunately,
2: that's the world we live in. Uh, no, uh, no, I'm like... No, I'm one of I them. Mean, I, I... Here, uh, we're pretty clear from the story you just told that you're not. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think it's. I think t- attempting to be a a decent white person in today's day and age does involve having some point where you're like, oh wow. This thing I didn't ask for I, affords yeah. me, what?
3: <laughs> it, I was just saying. Some moment of oh wow White people are actually pretty terrible
2: Yeah it's both like Oh (laughs) I am descended from monsters (laughs) And also like This thing I didn't ask for Afforded me tremendous privilege Like literally what you were just talking about That when I'm away from my black family Like all these things change for me (laughs) Uh, And coming to grips With the fact that that's Deeply fucked up And you know what are you going to do about it?
0: Well, my my mom actually had to explain race to me because we didn't even refer to siblings as, like, half-siblings. You're not half-related to your brother. You, we ate the same meals, you know, they're just my brothers. That she had to explain to me why the other kids wouldn't play with us was just to get that pounded into you young and you just go, that sucks. I just have brother, two brothers. I You know... Yeah, you, you recognize as a kid that, like, there's some differences. But, like, if you look at this my brother. Your family. Yeah, you look at Raphael and me next to each other, we resemble, there's a resemblance, you know. And so, like, you know, I notice his eyes and his facial features and all these things about him that I wasn't aware of until I had to be told, hey, by the way, the world sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, But there's also something to be said for, like, and I don't know, I'm not an expert on it, but the the notion of, like, white guilt and and trying not to become a victim yourself because you, you possess some white guilt a lot, you know, it's it's hard. You know, and I'm not going to solve the world's problems with one, you know, two, three-hour podcast, unfortunately. But hopefully bringing awareness helps, you know, um, that, you know, it's it's difficult. And when you're playing an RPG, you know, what's the R? It's role. Like, you're, you're shifting roles and hopefully perspectives that you know you know we talked about like lines and veils i hate the racist elf and racist dwarf trope i i hate it i'm like i came to this fantasy game to not be face to face with race issues i just you know want to like high five and jump off spaceships and like fight dragons and stuff i and not have to deal with like oh you're pretty good for an elf i'm like oh cool like we're just come on you know but then again i can't be really offended if someone's experience like you know, i, I could be offended it, you you can be offended it's fine um i can't really blame someone if they they want to play the elf dwarf thing because they just love that that scene between gimli and, and legolas right they just want to like emulate that and like it, that's a gas for them um so again why it's important to talk about this stuff session zero <laughs> um Sorry, I, I just sucked the oxygen right out the room. Uh,
2: <laughs> nah, man, you know, I mean, like... I just like... have,
3: to, I just Go have ahead. to step back for a second and laugh a little because I am currently playing a racist elf in, in one of your campaigns.
0: In, she's currently playing Me a racist, <laughs> a racist <laughs> elf in one of my games. But, but, like, I mean, in in this, like, you wouldn't know that until I shared this exact anecdote because I didn't... You know, like I don't. It's not like a, a trigger. It's not even like a line or a veil. It's just like, yeah, okay. You know, this has played out for me. You know, a little bit because of some personal experience. But if you're getting fun out of it, then I can empathize with that and go, yeah, it's cool. You're not like sliding against me and my trailer park upbringing. <laughs> God no. Um, it's their fantasy races, right? Um, this this becomes, I think, more more pertinent when it's the players. You know, the the play, the importance of like understanding the player, the player agency you know, the player experience, I think is...
2: Oh! Violet just proposed a topic, uh, that I could talk about, um, which would be curating the setting of the game for, uh, this kind of stuff, like, I think, I think she meant, like, safety and avoiding problematic tropes and things like that, um, which would also be part of Session Zero, um... Because especially when you're, I'll, I'll power right into this, especially when you're playing something like D&D, which doesn't, which can have a fixed setting, like Eberron, like Dark Sun, uh, like Planescape, all those really cool default settings, um, but but like in the PHB doesn't really. It's sort of like generic fantasy land, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Greyhawk. I don't know, like, yeah, yeah <laughs> like a Greyhawk type place, yeah. Um, I can't remember if 5th edition... Oh, uh, they're the Forgotten list. Realms now, I believe. For the Forgotten Realms, okay. Yeah. Um, which does tend to have some unique stuff in it, but if you're if you're approaching a, a generic D and D game where you're sort of playing on culturally understood tropes of fantasy, uh, you can change it if you want to, and in your session zero, make choices that make that sort of place more comfortable for other people. Um, Uh, Like, um, one of the big things I've seen a lot of people talk about doing that I really enjoy both from a making-people-more-comfortable perspective and from a design perspective is divorcing stat bonuses from your race. And like, that's a house rule you can really easily apply. Uh, You you ignore the stat bonuses from race, uh, and you just say everybody gets two plus twos or whatever to two things that apply to their class. Mm it's elegant, it encourages people to play in the things that they want to do, um, and it lets you get really cool new combos, like uh, like a halfling berserker or something like that. Like, And uh, also, it steps away from the idea that, like, the othering idea that, you know, being uh, non-human or something else determines... Who you are and what you can do, and that's like deeply fucked up
4: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. comes from very problematic roots, um, which is something I don't think um, a lot of people, especially white people playing games, consider. Mm-hmm. And like, that's such a simple house rule. There's, there's, can you, like you said earlier, can you think of a good reason to object to that? <laughs> <laughs> no 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 and and um you can also in your setting do things like make it welcoming to trans people by uh having trans characters show up in the background or even not even just in the background be important people um maybe the queen of the country is a trans woman like you can you can put those things in there you can make it friendly to queer folks you can Mm -hmm have you can be like yeah of course of course your elves can be black fuck off like that's of course you can say that sort of thing exists you can put that forward in your in your session zero being like yes all these things are here these things are present i hope violet i hope that's what you wanted me to say (laughs) Um. the thing you wanted me to go off on
1: there is a topic that arises in the rat catchers guild which is the discord for the warhammer fantasy role game which violet is a member of and uh i'm sure they'd be able to vouch for this is people try and take that setting and because it is loosely based upon history try to impose history upon it on how well you can't have women knights in bretonia because they're was no women knights in bretonia oh. but hey guess what in my oh. game yes the fuck it is
0: <laughs> my uh right. my, my least favorite take ever uh it, realistically speaking yeah tell me about realistically with dragons and magic like how yeah. that stuff needs to uh yeah uh, yeah
1: the last big conversation we had last week or the week before was uh, gay people in the old world and how that would have been handled um <laughs> that that was a bit, yeah that was a bit of a mess. So,
0: yeah. I, um,
1: I I let those conversations go on until they get out of control. Well, you um,
0: the hope is that there's a natural understanding that people can achieve by having that discussion, right? It's when it gets nasty or people are are concreted in their 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 unwavering, unmoving point, and that's where the that problem with being defensive, you know, when you're defensive, that that backlash effect happens where uh, anything you say to me, and now I'm going to go contrarian mode. I'm going to play the Melkavy because you said I can't play as Zemisi, so I'm going to try to disrupt your game. Like, that backlash effect. We, we become spiteful when we're attacked or when we're put on the defensive or whatever it is. Um, yeah. One thing I liked about what Monica was saying... It, um with the the divorcing racial attributes um from the character creation process that is just kind like of a, a good tenet, a little bit like a lighter on the lighter side of this this discussion. The notion of role playing versus role playing, R O L E playing versus R O L L playing. Um, when you're removing mechanics that lock you in on that sort of min max mentality, I I gotta play this race for this plus two to be the best version of that class. You unlock people's potential to role play and role playing roles, and again seeing things differently. I, that that's one of the strengths of our of RPGs. That's that's the good stuff. That's what we want more of. <laughs> Noted.
1: Yeah, um, one of the favorite methods of character creation I've come across lately is life path creation. So your your character is not solely based upon any kind of species or racial traits. It's what they've done and where they've been. Who they were as a kid. What did they do as a teenager in their early um, adulthood? What did they do for work? And that there starts to form um, the strengths of your character itself. Not whether you're an elf and you have higher attributes in magic or a dwarf and you are stronger. It's what have you actually done? What built your your character up to where it is now
0: um, I, I, uh, I'm playing a uh, Rifts game uh, off stream just 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 me and, and some friends uh, about once a month it works out too um, and the life path advancement wasn't something we considered but I wanted to play a particular uh, like you know this character concept this this sort of hot-headed uh, you know a biracial character. Um, and I couldn't get a, like the drinking bonus for this character. I just asked my GM. I'm like, uh, he's a heavy, like he's a hard drinker. Can he be like, can he get the like drinking bonus? And he's like, yeah, you, you're good at drinking. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like finding, you know, having fun with, with that, like, you know, where's this character come from? Like he's the pro gambler, you know, you know, you know, uh, keeps a bottle of bourbon. That's just tea. Uh, so he's doing drinking games and trying to, like, cheat people out of their money at the table and you know, th- those sort of things where you start to, like, think about role playing. Um, I think that's really cool. Just the life path. I think that's just really cool in, in general. And, and I I haven't done it myself a whole lot, um, but I'm going to consider it.
2: There aren't that many systems that do it. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're going to port it into a game that doesn't have one, it does require a fair amount of elbow grease on the part of the GM to house rule in because you have to then create all the life path options. Now, that's not a bad thing. I'm just pointing out that it's kind of work. Mm. Um, also, I, I two things. I posted in the chat my favorite article, um, which is at this point, oh God, seven years old, um, <laughs> about... Which
3: I have already clicked on. <laughs> yeah,
2: me too. Yeah, yeah. about... Um, totally destroying that pop, that pop history idea of like women can't be knights. Uh, <laughs> it's
0: not realistic.
2: <laughs> it's not realistic. In fact, actually it's, it's incredibly realistic to include them. Um, and there's a book called we have always fought. Uh, and that article summarizes it extremely well. Um, and I have not actually read the book, but I think maybe I should
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, also Violet pointed out a good point that when you do setting curation um, during Session Zero, like basically stating opening things like, this is a setting that's friendly to gay people, setting that's friendly to trans people, setting that's friendly to people of color. They exist in this world. Um, It also lets your players signal what they want to see enthusiastically, too. And I don't just necessarily mean marginalized people. Like, if you are really into women as knights, you can basically say that. Like, I want to see women as knights in the back. Like, I want to meet NPCs who are ladies who are knights uh, or like uh, you know, I really want there to, like, I really want to ride a horse. I want to be able to purchase and ride a horse. Like, even if it's something that's simple, like setting curation like that lets you go, these are the things I am cool and interested in. Cool and interested in? I think it's time for more wine. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. these These are things that I think are cool and am interested in and you can put those out there. Very much like remembering the other side of the X card. It's boats. good to also say these are good things, too. Anyway.
0: Yeah. i into boats. You're into boats. <laughs> I, I, I have a tokenism for boats in all my campaigns now. Like, there's always boats. <laughs> also, knowing exactly what hat I'm trying to describe has been like like, I like you know the type of hat that does it? You're like, that's that type of hat. <laughs> like, boats and hats. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> All there your
3: boats Actually, I, I have no defense of the hats I,
0: I can't even remember what the hat was I, I was like, oh, you know the type of hat and It's like It doesn't really have a brim It just goes like, and you're like, it's this type of hat and I'm like, that's the hat, thank you Be specific Are you
3: thinking of a fez?
0: No No, okay. no. It's more of like the
3: He was thinking of a cloche
0: There we oh, go Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> He the exact story Oh, man this is that that. Re- yeah, of course. <laughs> I made you out your, wanna... out yourself on the on the hats thing.
2: <laughs> Tonight on the rant cast, what hat is this? Yeah, what hat
0: is this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hat, okay or this <laughs> hat, hat or boat? Hat or <laughs> boat? <laughs> <laughs> um, you were about to say something, Charlotte.
1: When it comes to some people, or when it comes to having. Uh, variety of npcs in games i've heard from a lot of gms that they have an issue bringing in gay people or trans people or people of color because they have no they they don't want to be insensitive to it they want to be able to do it respectfully and they have a hard time doing that if they don't know what it's like to be those people
2: yeah well i'm not really a dragon either so
3: There aren't going to be any dragons watching your stream that are going right. to be like, um, "Hey, you've completely misrepresented
0: dragons." Why do appropriate dragons? You time? don't know this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean,
2: I was I was I being glibed. You, you are correct that if you portray someone in potentially a stereotypical and harmful way, that does real harm to real people. Mm. Um, my my flippant comment was if you can stretch your imagination to pretend to be something that isn't even real you certainly can do the work to pretend to be something that is and like maybe that involves talking to real people or checking out threads on twitter not participating in them just reading them (laughs) nobody cares about your opinions if you're not a trans person reading about trans trans experiences that's just for you to learn uh like and you know, if you don't have any friends of color, maybe you wonder why that is.
3: Mm. Mm. <laughs> I guess my issue if I were if I were describing a group of people, men and women, in real life, I don't think I would want to point out say oh well this person is a trans so how do i translate that into in an rpg setting where we didn't know anything about this person they just showed up how do i explain that they are
0: how do you populate the world with like trans characters without
3: yeah how, how did i word this badly um Yes. That's my stumbling block, yeah. and yes, I understand that it boils down to to do it respectfully, but...
0: Is this a worry about tokenism, or, um...
3: It's not so much a worry about tokenism as, uh, yes, I know some trans people, but...
0: That's not their defining feature, like, I'm trying to help you out defining here. defining
3: feature, like, they are... I have a friend who is a trans woman, but to me she's a woman, like... I've known her for a long time, and when I knew her before she started living as who she is now, like, a lot of the characters, like, she's still the same person, like, the things that, the things that I find important about her are still the same. I am calling her a different name now, that's all that really matters in how I treat her. Like, she's still my friend. Any... Oh, I'm doing this badly. No, no, I,
0: I, I, I think I understand what you're getting at. Uh, um, Monica, Charlotte, like, do I you... I understand
3: that her experience is going to color how she sees the world, but the fact that she's trans shouldn't change how I describe her.
0: Yeah, any, any input, thoughts, uh, answers?
2: Um, let, let me talk about gay people for a second, because I could do okay. that. with That's my lived experience! Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is the easiest one, I think, of the three. So, like, first and foremost, don't kill your gays. That's a bad trope. And if you didn't know that's a bad trope, I'm teaching you this right now. Wow. I
0: didn't know it was a trope. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) uh, It is a trope. So, like, if you have a queer relationship, um, one or both of them will die. Like, that's a trope. Don't kill your gays. Step one, don't kill your gays. Uh, Step two, you can do things. This is probably the easiest because you can do things really, really simply. Like... Your D&D adventurers go to the town that has a problem. They need the adventurers to fight the monsters because the monsters are in the way of their logistical supply line and this town cannot get food, right? So that's your, that's your hook. So the town headwoman comes out and talks to the party and then reveals in conversation casually that, you know, oh, her wife would be happy to make everyone a meal. There you go. She's a lesbian. <laughs> like... Uh, And she's an important character. She's a woman in authority. There you go. I've made a gay character instantly. And it didn't change her portrayal. Uh, I have also told you that gay marriage is fine. And gay marriage is fine for at least common people. All right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, And, like, you also really want to avoid your queer characters, like, doing... Like, if you, if you wouldn't have a straight character do this, don't have a gay character do this, like, don't have some dude come up and be like, hey, fighter, what are you doing? Like, or whatever. Like, that's, that's gross. Don't don't fall into harmful stereotypes like that. Okay. But, but yeah. do do things like, ah, the, you know, handsome Captain of the Knights is like, oh, well, my husband will be mad if I don't come home soon. And you're like, oh, well, he's gay. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Uh, you can do things like that, and then immediately you, by just throwing that one little line out that doesn't change the way you portray the character, it doesn't change anything about their major points, you immediately make the world more friendly to queer characters existing, uh, and you also like world build a little bit mm-hmm. by be- by implying that like these relationships are allowed to happen, uh, and, you know, then maybe if your world has nobility, maybe it's more complicated, because, you know, nobles... Uh, who are marry for political reasons maybe aren't allowed to marry a same-sex partner uh, because of political reasons not because of homophobic reasons and then maybe you could have an interesting thing where you like maybe the party has to help the princess you know marry convince the king that she can marry her girlfriend or whatever (laughs) marry for true love you know Uh, and so like you just queer up what would otherwise be a straight story i see i saw charlotte charlotte grinning at me over that idea (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um last year in my conan campaign um uh, i ended up having a uh recurring uh gay couple uh there were a couple of traders and the first time the uh players came along them one of them uh drove into a pothole the other one fell off the back of the the uh the cart and hurt his leg and from there on in they were recurring um in some of the scenes throughout our our campaign, which was kind of fun.
0: I like to portray a lot of like non like non binary char- like a lot of androgynous characters. It's like I often like will just have like a lot of androgynous characters throughout my my campaigns. Is, do you think that that's productive, non productive? Like how did do, where does you know have I been doing it wrong as a straight white male?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think by including them, no.
0: Like, them. Yeah, and I'm not you're... killing them. Like, they show up and I'm like, oh, time to kill the androgynous one.
2: So, remembering that I mean, people use you're... they, them pronouns is important.
0: Yeah.
3: Your party has killed them, but that hasn't Have been. They?
0: Oh. oh, yeah, the jester. The one, uh... Yeah, yeah the one jester. We
3: absolutely killed the jester.
2: Also, if you populate your whole world with diverse people uh, and you have characters who are on the party's side who are non-binary and villains who are non-binary, then you, you don't run the risk of, to. like, villainizing a certain type of person, right. because you've shown that these people exist and can be good and can be evil. Mm-hmm. Just like in the real world! <laughs> mm. It turns out being of a marginalized identity doesn't, um, preclude you from being a piece of shit. Sorry. <laughs> it's
1: true. It's true. Um, I know I do a lot uh, community-wise with uh, Cubicle 7. And like I mentioned before, they just had Wrath and Glory released today. And they've been doing a lot uh, to push uh, diversity in gaming and diversity in their products. Uh, i checking out the... Uh, have you seen the cover yet, Andrew?
0: I have not. I'm sorry. I've, uh, I've been in a, a House Moving Torpor
1: right yeah uh go check it out like the one of the main characters is black uh they have a uh an ass kicking inquisitor which is female um they have done a lot of uh good things to really push diversity um going through the character creation uh, the careers in warhammer fantasy role play there they have uh a lot of diversity there as well between uh, their characters both gender and uh and racial
0: yeah yeah Um, I I think you know this is all just you know having good representation and a good spread of the characters and uh, just to highlight it again you know we joked about the dragon thing Um, you can just talk to real humans and get their perspective and then just kind of incorporate their views uh, as well um, I think that's pretty important. Um,
2: it, it is important to note that if you are going to talk to someone about like the struggles of their marginalized identity, that that can kind of be exhausting. Yeah. Um, and you shouldn't expect them to do that. Uh, at the very least, you should do something cool, like take them out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. You're-
3: it's not their responsibility to educate you. It's important to remember that.
2: hmm.
0: So if that person
2: is your friend, they might be willing to do so because they like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you should still offer to at least buy them a drink. Come on.
0: Yeah, doing solid. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have to subscribe to everyone's Patreon here real quick, I think. Um, because you're helping me uh, <laughs> represent the community. Um, no, I, I heard um, something that really resonated with me recently, which is like, um, you know, you want to do good and you maybe don't know how to interface with it. Um, you know, just ask me what I think and support that, you know, like is, is pretty decent, but like you said, it can be exhaustive to like, you know, be constantly having to educate folks and stuff like that. So I think it's just, it's interesting to, it, it, a really interesting point. I've heard you actually bring it up on your podcast as well. Um, you know, take them up for dinner, buy them a drink. Um, they're doing work. <laughs> um, so yeah,
2: I, I, I'd also like to share that, that, that a lot of my wisdom comes from, my friends of color um and you should especially go read um james mendez hode's blog um he is a personal professional acquaintance and friend of mine um and he's a very smart guy and taught me a lot of this stuff that i am now sharing with you
0: oh thank you um so um (laughs) so i has been killing it in chat here um so I, i think we've covered a lot of a lot of stuff here and uh you're talking about like the social aspects of identity, empathy, um, sort of like that. Um, it, it, I'd like to to end on a couple like of, of of sort of gaming tips. You know, you're sort of improving when you're when you're playing. You can be learning some of this on the fly. Is there any sort of like, um, you know, in, like improvisational tricks that you you might use to like go into a game? Uh, when we, when you, you have some of these like uh, lines and veils established. You have a diverse cast, and now you you need to interact. So we've got the representation. We've shown the stuff. We've done we've done our our, our game zero. Or, you know we've done our zero session, our pilot episode, and now it's time to actually interact. What are the main sort of tips for you know improving through this all and having a great experience for everybody? And just because we are running up on on the time here, um, just like quick tips, and then we can get out. Or actually playing the game. Learn from Mendez. I'm going to put both of these links, by the way, um, in the rantcast notes. So those of you listening back, you can actually find uh, uh you can find the uh, "We Have Always Fought" article uh, linked earlier, as well as uh, James Mendez Hoad's uh, blog. Uh,
2: run that question by me again. Oh, so like, okay, we've <laughs> talked about
0: yeah. Sorry, we've we've talked about session zero. We've talked about populating and curating the world. Um, for sort of diversity and, you know, a positive experience for everybody. Now it's time to play. You know, what are just some, uh, just general tips. We don't have to, like, uh, stay on the, uh, you know, this core social issue, but just general tips for, like, now playing the game, being mindful of others, and having having an eye towards enjoyment.
2: Oh, okay, so, like, how do you get started? No! uh... Past, 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 like, like, we're talking. What do we do f- on session one onward?
0: Yeah, session one onward. Just uh, you know, the imp- uh, tricks to imp- because uh, you know, R P is is essentially improv, but yeah. you can you can prepare to improv, right? And yeah. I think that that's that's something that doesn't get talked about. For instance, I usually keep a a list of about twenty names just in one of my in my notes in case the party is suddenly very interested in this bartender I described one second too long. You know, tricks <laughs> tricks for actually like going through the game once we've actually moved on to like uh you know game one and continue to play these maybe some just a couple like tidbits uh from each uh from each guest here and
2: so are you looking for tips for like keeping a long campaign going or um like tips to keep communication open Tips for D all of the above <laughs> tips for engaging in the game maybe yeah yeah what, what, are we, what let's be a little bit more a little bit more specific well one i've yeah. been
0: one i've personally been struggling with lately is burnout um, GM okay. burnout, player burnout, you know, like you're you're trying to continue through threads. Uh, any tips okay. on fighting off burnout then to be specific? Stop!
2: <laughs> if you are burnt out, stop. It is okay to pause the game and stop playing. Oh. if you're, If your table is into enjoying the game you're running, they will understand that you are no longer feeling it and they will pick it back up when you are feeling refreshed. Uh, I think a lot of people feel like they need to power through burnout and that's the opposite of what you want to do when you are burnt out Like that's only going to make it worse Um, you have to step away and put it down Like if it's the campaign that you're tired of maybe run something new Uh, maybe play a game that you've never tried before and restart your brain by by forcing it to learn something new Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe just go on a hiatus for a month like um, but you do also have to understand that if you pause that, lots of us are busy adults with busy lives and maybe someone's schedule will change, they won't be able to play anymore.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's a bummer, but that's also the reality of the situation. But mm-hmm. I think if you're burnt out, you gotta, you gotta stop and you gotta change what you're doing, whether that's play a new game, whether that's, okay, it's board game night from now on so that we don't break our routine. Because I think my, my tip to maintaining a, a consistent long campaign is that you have to maintain routine. You gotta meet every week and you can't miss it for more than two weeks, or you totally lose momentum. Mm -hmm. Um, So sticking with it, and if it's burnout, and you want to keep hanging out with this group, because they're your friends, and you like them, um, maybe it's a board game night now, or maybe it's a Jackbox night, if you play online, or whatever, and so you continue to meet up and and interact with each other, but so you don't lose that momentum, and then once you feel refreshed, like maybe a a couple weeks of TKO, and you're, and Quiplash, and you're like, you know what, I feel like I can get back into it again, and once you're once you're refreshed, you can come back to it. There's there's nothing wrong with stopping.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie or Charlotte, anything to, to add or extrapolate?
3: Um, this is something that you've done in the past, and I really appreciate it, and I don't know... I know that you typically ask for us to give you character backstories or... Character insights over the course of games, and I think those that might actually be helpful in combating burnout as well, because it's not solely on you to be creating anymore. It's also the responsibility of all your party members to kind of go more into more in depth into what's actually happening in the game. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, uh, yeah, I like share sort of sharing the um, the creative. Sharing the
3: creative burden Mm
0: -hmm. And I don't
3: mean to say that it's You know a burden because If it is a burden then Yeah like Monica said you just gotta walk away for a while
0: But Mm -hmm. Um, Anything to add Charlotte?
1: Yeah Kind of links into what uh, Katie was just saying Was Creating the world doesn't always have to Be on the shoulders of the GM when we come across new characters, I get the players to name them, for better or worse. Um, I after the first few times doing that, I've started to put uh, restrictions on on them. Like, okay, we are in the north of uh, Conan's world. These are like Vikings. Let's let's name them a little bit more um, towards what they would actually be named.
0: Twab, I'd always name them Twab. That's that's our placeholder name.
3: <laughs> uh-huh. I think something else that might be helpful in something like that is when your characters are creating their backstories have them describe the towns or cities that they grew up in hmm. like
4: okay.
3: their parents maybe their parents were farmers well what did they farm, what did they grow
0: <laughs> my girlfriend always calls people Beverly in our Exalted games Twelve was <laughs> always our go-to name it was I think it was from some like silly module. One of the characters' with name was Twab, and and we just like we couldn't stop laughing about it. So ever since, every random character that we couldn't think of a name for was Twab. Um, so yeah, um, I man, we've covered an awful lot. Any um, sort of like random soapbox moments? Anyone wants to, to get on for uh, RPGs in general? The um, subject of like just sort of the social aspects of it. Um, anything? Uh, I guess we can start. Uh, go back around, uh, Charlotte. Uh, do the sort of reverse order.
1: Nothing really. Um, kind like of like it into what we're just talking about is uh, it baffles me on how some GMs put so much effort into prepping their games. Like, it seems like a, an insane amount of stress that they put on themselves to make sure that their players have uh, a fun experience. Hmm. Um, I we'll go into a game half an hour prior and throw something together and just run with it. Right. I am doing the most prep I've ever done now for the stream on Saturday, making notes and studying the system and trying to get everything down. than I have ever done for any game. Like honestly, my Conan stream half an hour before my game started, I was grabbing stat blocks and having a brief outline thrown together for what they might come across we would start the session, and then they would just run with it.
0: Right on, right on. I, I always find that there's a there's a, a beauty and simplicity when it comes to to prepping a, a campaign. Um, you know, if I have like key characters, I won't. I used to when I was I was young and naive. Um, I would write out every line of dialogue that the character could possibly have, and then I would like wait for the characters to to ask the key phrases, so I could be like, oh, you know. I'm glad you asked! And then I would, like, continue with the, the thing, like, just on loops of dialogue, like Deckard Kane. and um, I learned to not do that <laughs> after putting in way too much effort, and now it's just, like, I'll put, if I have a character, I put in a single bullet, like, quotation uh, like, that, that gets across you know, kind of how I think that like, an encapsulating phrase of how that character would interact with just, like, you know it could be something like, cut off their heads, you know like, oh, I know that the gruff you know, a mercenary type has, you know, this motivator, this drive, and that's how they interact with people, yada, yada, yada. And I don't have to, you know, do a bunch. Um, yeah. But, but that's my personal shorthand. I think every GM's going to have their own little um, yeah. shortcuts. Yeah.
1: I'm s- starting to do that a little bit more about just getting cards together for an NPC with their personality and their drive and just running with that.
0: What do they want? You know, this, this is a basic, you know, basic narrative, basic storytelling. Um, you know, what does the character want? You uh, what, what? do they want in the scene? What's stopping them from getting it? You know, and that's that gives you a lot. I mean, that that's really straightforward, and you can you'd be surprised how long you can carry on dialogue if you just have those sort of three things. Yeah. Um, uh, Katie.
3: Oh shit! I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um. Here we go.
0: Ah, the dice, dice tower. tower. <laughs> nice.
3: Um. I think my advice is geared more toward players than GMs, Mm -hmm. but things are going to go wrong for your character, and that is where you find out what your character does best. And that, to me, is really the fun of an RPG. Yeah,
0: the... uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. The exploration of the character, um, and then Monica.
2: Yeah, uh, man, I got I got so many soapboxes. I have a podcast.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, per, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, one, go listen to bonus experience because a lot of things that I've said here, I've also said on the show. Um, some good GM advice. Uh, I think I will re- repeat. The uh, mediocre advice that made me so mad. I started bonus experience, which is like, hey, did you know you can talk to your player? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, remember that your p- remember that your players are a resource, and they are the greatest resource that you have. Um, and sometimes, be willing to just throw your own idea out the window for whatever better thing that they came up with. 100%. Um, like players sometimes you'll really you'll. I, I don't overplan, but sometimes I'll, like, make connections in my head where I'm like, okay, the scheming duke is related to this guy, and they both have a plan to assassinate this other guy. And I'm like, that's the that's what's going on in the background, and that's in my head. And then someone is like, I think the Black Knight is actually the duke's daughter and has been this whole time. And I'm like, well, that wasn't what was in my head, but it is now.
0: You just cross it out. You're already crossing right. it out.
2: Yep. I'm like, well... <sighs> You got me. Didn't think,
0: clever. yeah. Didn't think you'd figure out my I- incredibly elaborate, excellent plot. I, how smart you or, are!
2: Like, or I just don't tip that hand, and I'm just like, oh, interesting thought. And in my head, I'm totally rewriting the whole story. And then now I'm going to seed in hints that the Black Knight is in fact the Duke's daughter and has been this whole time. And then it looks like foreshadowing, and people are like, how did we guess? <laughs> and like, just be very like be willing to seed ideas be willing to move things around and be willing to cut things like um i i will read you a line from a as of yet unreleased BXP episode which says just also remember that you're running a game not writing a novel your brilliant story ideas kind of don't matter
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh ouch no no it's well,
2: it's perfect but like but but good storytelling this, like this is good collaborative storytelling and the fun of playing an rpg is that your idea will be bounced off of someone and come back to you different and like the inner interplay between here's my idea and here's yours should be fun you
0: gotta lean which into is that.
2: not to say that you can't tell a good story because you sure as fuck can but you remember that you're doing it with other people and that's the most important
0: That is one hundred percent. I think, like, like I, I write. I've got a couple things published out there, and you know, I've been paid actual money to write stories. So clearly, I know what I'm doing. Um, the thing, why, if I am such a brilliant novelist, why, or fantastic writer, why do I gravitate towards RPGs as a storytelling format? It's exactly what you described. That back and forth, leaning into your players' ideas is something. When you write your brilliant, you know, Oscar bait RPG story, um, you know, you, you're kind of trapped inside your head with yourself. You know, you don't have the 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 benefit of other minds uh, refining or you know editing what you're doing because uh, every writer can do with extra editing. Um, so,
2: oh yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Let's be real. Like, how many hit TV shows and movies started off as a campaign in an RPG? The expanse is one of them.
0: Huh. Huh.
1: I think I could be wrong, I don't think I am. <laughs> I don't,
0: but could be no, wrong. No. Uh-huh. You said it on a podcast, it's right. <laughs> you said it on a podcast on the internet, it's got to be right. It is. Yeah, it
1: has confirmed it is.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: The the fun and fascinating thing about the collaborative storytelling aspect of playing an RPG is that while you are in the moment, you are both the author and the the reader at the same time. You were both the director and the audience at the same time. And so, like, the end product is not a book or a story or anything like that. It's an experience. So, um, yes, of course you're telling a good story, but, like, having something tangible isn't what you get out of an RPG. What you get is the experience. You get something extremely intangible. And, like... Had a bunch of inside jokes and and so many inside jokes, which are which are imp- an important part of the experience.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. But like, I can tell you a whole bunch of really memorable things that came from like my Exalted games that I ran, where like it was based on on decisions the characters made. Like, I um I used to run Exalted games monthly with a whole bunch of my friends, and we'd play like all day. Uh, we were much younger, and we could do that. Um, and I would take a break Like I would have a sort of a seed of a plan at the beginning and then I would take a break people would go get dinner, I'd, I'd take a shower I'd think about everything that happened and then I'd come back down and run the rest of the game like into the night <laughs> and like that, that middle point where I just digested everything everybody had done like I had only seeds for the beginning, not for the second half and everything that came in the second half of the game was a result of what happened in the first half so like i didn't there was like no second half prep work it was literally all based on the decisions people made ahead of time and uh weaving that experience between their choices and what i choose to throw at them because of that created something really memorable so like listening and not trying to enforce strictly your own ideas and like engaging in the things that other people are putting out and their decisions and the things that went wrong and the things that went right are how you make a really memorable, really excellent game. Right. I'm very good at this, just saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> it, almost like you're a professional of it or something. <laughs> um, no, I... I there's... I, there's just... Uh, there's something for me There's that's that's magical about this. Uh, I can't get enough of, of, of the narrative of... Um, Basically, being told that my idea wasn't the greatest, and then, like, leaning into my players' uh, ideas a lot more than I think they realize. Uh, Quarion marrying a, the dragon uh, one, <laughs> was one of my all-time favorite things that I didn't plan, you know. Like, changed the entire world of my game, and, like, I just ripped pages out of a notebook. Uh, just like, these are gone now, that's, that's the thing that happens here. Um, you know, I feel like I need to explain that for chat gang. See, one of our party members, on purpose, core to his character, did not want to play the bard who sleeps with the dragon. Like, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be just, like, a nice, great person, yada, yada, yada. So this wasn't even, you know, this would have been a, pretty much a line, like, never gonna, you know, this isn't the thing. Like, he's not gonna sleep with the NPCs. This is not that, that bard thing. An opportunity arose later on. Uh, where like they had to trade souls for a key and stuff like that. Really like mythic sort of weirdness, you know, like fairy tale. Like it was, it wasn't so much in like a, like a creepy way. It was just like, you know, like esoteric currency, blah, 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 get a key. Um, well, like marriage is kind of like giving you a soul and like, and so like courts, this dragon for one year to marry her, like, like a, like it was, it was like completely on the party. And it, it was really funny. Um, experience and i'm like well okay and then that evolved way later on to where they may like, essentially like now they have to choose this like ruler for this vacant seat and they're like oh yeah we know uh you know Corian's wife like she's now like this main matriarch of this entire world all based on this like sort of improv that the whole party did and i'm just like that was my idea man i couldn't have forced that for any reason you, it has to you have to kind of In some sense, you have to lean into what the parties do. Let them have their successes and let them be clever and figure things out and tell their own story. Um, No. My bad. Um, Nope. (laughs) And let them wed that dragon. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) But it wasn't the, like, it wasn't like the cringe bard, like, you know, sleep with the beholder thing. Like, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. That's what made it so funny and memorable. Don't pink
2: the- shame. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. All right. But yeah, see, uh, you, you, you be open to learning. Don't get defensive. Uh, all right. Um, so real quick, uh, where can everybody reach you? Um, have getting all these awesome insights. I know we've talked about bonus experience uh, real quick, but reset it one more time for everybody, Monica. Um, oh
2: yeah, you can check check out bonus experience. Um, it is bxpcast.com. Um, I haven't updated the website in a while, uh, so if you also go to Misdirected Mark Productions or misdirectedmark.com um, and look up bonus experience, you will find the full list of episodes there. Um, or you can just look up bonus experience basically anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, we have tried to get on pretty much every platform. Um, and if you want to follow me and hear more of my own personal stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at ZenithSun.
0: And what's a really awesome RPG they should be looking for coming out down the line?
2: (laughs) They should be looking for Exalted Essence, which I think should hopefully have a Kickstarter towards the end of the year, Um, but the big six sort of made that, uh, made the whole Kickstarter schedule a little weird, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. The goal was to have a Kickstarter out by the end of the year, but we'll see. Yeah, Um, And definitely for release by next year.
0: And in the meantime, it's a really great time to play RPGs, folks. Yeah. Katie, uh, if people want to check you out online or or catch any of your opinions, or should they do that? If you
3: want to hear what I pretend are my opinions but are not necessarily, you can follow Pick Aside Stupid. It is on most major podcast platforms. Uh, There is a Facebook where if you are interested in getting into how the podcast is run, you can join uh, Pick Aside Stupid, a comedy debate show on Facebook. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Kate Russian, and I think that's about it, because, I don't know, I don't have personal projects I want to plug here.
0: Fair enough. Uh, And then Charlotte?
1: Uh, you could find me all over the internet at Foxfire22, that is F-O-X-F-Y-R-E-2-2. Uh, foxfirestudios.com is my website where I'm posting up a whole bunch of the uh, Valkyrie Gaming stuff. Uh, I got Valkyrie Gaming on Twitter, um, for those of you that may have missed it, Valkyrie Gaming is a gaming group for all women, non-binary, and gender-fluid folks, um... You can find the invite to our Discord on the Twitter, which is Valkyrie Gaming 0 because uh, not first. Um, <laughs> and starting this Saturday, we have our first Learn to Play stream, where we're going to be playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. And the way that this is going to work, hopefully we'll see how all this runs out, is every two weeks we're going to be playing a new game. So not only is it new players learning systems, it is also me as a GM learning the new system. So that way we can help demonstrate all aspects of running a game for the first time.
0: It's really awesome. And from a bunch of different perspectives so, of you know, yeah. different systems. So uh, in the end, uh, folks are going to be able to really find the game that resonates with them. I think it's brilliant. Um, I hope so. And I'm just going to real quick shout out to Chat Gang. Thank you so much tonight. Uh, Chat Gang, as always, you are the show within the show. Um, I'll see you all around. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night. Good night.